Hey, Tristan and Greg. A couple of little Aussies, are you? So I understand you're reaching your 200th episode, which is quite remarkable. And I must congratulate you as Ray Jackson. And maybe I should come down there and do a kumite and make sure Tristan and Greg don't come out alive. If you know what I mean. We can do it in your front yard if you'd like. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Bloodsport was one crazy movie to make. Let me tell you. We were in Hong Kong for, uh, let me see, two months. And it was a lot of work. And those fight scenes took forever. Chong Lee was a great guy. Loved him to death. And the, most of the guys in the movie were absolutely phenomenal. And it turned out way better than anybody thought because Ray Jackson was so good. <laughs> but listen, I'm glad you guys got a hold of me. Congratulations on your 200th episode. And revisit Bloodsport. Okay, USA. <laughs> Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I have a frog in my throat. <clears throat> and I'm Tristan. I'm Greg. Happy 200th ep. 200, man. Yeah, 200. Wow. That's like four wow. years. Wow. Literally four wow. years. It is four years. Our podcast is as old as your youngest daughter. That's right. Um, reflecting this week and mm. doing a bit of digging onto posts and such. There was a post that... Carol, wife of the show, put up saying, two babies were born this week. Yeah, yeah. I get those Facebook memories every year. It's always funny. It's a mix of like Greg and Carol posts about Lola and then Tristan, Greg and Carol posts about <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I didn't post shit. Thanks a lot, wife. <laughs> uh, hey, let me just say from the outset because, look, it's 200th episode. This is a big Bloodsport episode. Mm. So we might be getting some new listeners because Bloodsport is a fucking iconic movie. Mm-hmm. We've interviewed Frank Dukes. We've interviewed Sheldon Lettich. You might be here and you, you want to hear that. It is also our 200th episode. So there is going to be some preamble. but uh, So I'll put time codes in the description so you can skip straight to the movie stuff if oh, you're new and you don't. Of you. Yeah, if you don't care about Tristan and Greg yet, mm-hmm. uh, I don't blame you. Yet, nice. And you know what? If, if you've been here for 200 episodes and you still don't care about us, you can skip two, um, but I'll be disappointed. Not angry, just sad. Disappointed for my Shiroshi and my Tanaka. Mm, all tidy, tidy. <laughs> anyway, 200 episodes, man. Four years. Wah, wah, wah. I guess 200 movies, pretty much. A couple of special apps in there, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A couple of things. Uh, what? We've got some news. Let's let's give some news. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have officially signed up with the uh, DM Podcast Network. That's right. Wonderful stable mates like Alexi Toliopoulos with Total Reboot and uh, the, the legends over at Ladies Guide to Dude Cinema and, of course, the Batuta Advocate and, and that Batuta whole. Batuta Advocate. So. Hello, sport. If you're, uh, if you're a sporting podcast fan, you might, in Australia particularly, you might well know that one. Yeah. Good so guys. Good guys. Yeah. Good bunch of people. So if you don't know about them, there's, there is some other pods that are definitely worth checking out, as Tristan mentioned. They've got a few, a bunch of others as well. So uh, go, yeah, check yeah. It, go check them out. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get some of them on our pod and, and vice versa. Yeah, some cross-pollination. The, you know, the old, the old uh, thing continues. Yeah. The old circle of life. I think that's how it works. Probably. Keep going. Mate, well, it's been a bit of a journey. I was just trying to crunch some high-level numbers. Um, now, we've recorded in, what, three countries? We didn't record from Europe at all. Just Australia, New York and – Australia, New York. Australia, America and uh, 
Singapore? Did we do some Singapore reps when you were there? I can't remember. Did we do it when you were there? I don't know. I don't think we did. Maybe not. Okay. Two countries. Maybe not. not Two that- countries. But hey, on the opposite ends of the world. Mm, lousy time zones. We're bookending Earth right now. Mm. We're real, giving it a real spit roast through the pod. That's right. That's what we do. That's uh, <laughs> Five houses though. This is my Shit. third house I've been in since we've been recording and you obviously are in, in camping out and now. That's my third too. Is it? Or six. Second? No, we started, remember in Bondi. Oh, you were still in Bondi, of Bondi. course. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wild. Six wow. houses. Wow. That is wild. All kinds we of We met Jean-Claude Van Damme. We met Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, that was cool. Yeah. Still waiting to connect with him. Yeah, yeah. We have we have cooled our jets a little on the old Campaign 2000, which of course was our lifelong ambition to get him on the actual podcast. Uh, given that it's episode 200, I think we need to give that another push. You know, we've and we've got a few stokes in the fire. Is that a phrase? Have you got a few buns in the oven? No, no, we don't have that. No. I've got some, my fingers in some pies. Yeah. Greg. Yeah, the yeah. old pie hands. We've got the ask out to some people that know some people. We do, but what we've learnt for sure is that he's he is um he's elusive. Elusive, shall we say. He is hard yeah. to pin down for um more important things than us. So we don't we won't hold our <laughs> breath on the great Lord and Saviour JC joining us anytime soon, but we're okay yeah. with that. We're okay with that. We're okay with that. Because you know, I'd almost be sad because the day we get him on the pod, I don't know what to look forward to after that. Well, you know, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a mighty high to come down from. Exactly, exactly. Keep going. So, in in your reflection, did you go uh, have a little scroll through the archives? I did. I feel like there's many movies we've covered that I've forgotten, and I think you've got a worse memory than me. So I got oh my imagine God. you had a few surprises. I have. <laughs> it's like so. Yes. I have a terrible memory. Um, what was, and I want to test yours a little bit, Tristan. That's, uh, oh, okay. Because um, I was going through the, the chronological order of some of our episodes and I was like, oh, I thought we did that like a year ago, but we did not. It was like. Oh, man. Man. Well, you know what we did for episode 100? Street Fighter. Yeah. So we did that 100 episodes ago. That feels like, I don't know. Not that long ago. 90 episodes ago? Yeah, yeah. 95. <laughs> Um, I'm going to test you, Tristan. I'm going to throw a couple of episodes at you. Okay. And I want you to give me a ballpark on when that episode happened. In terms of the year or just number, episode number? Uh, episode. I can't episode correlate number. the two very episode well. number. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, Roadhouse. That was early. Was that like episode eight or something? Oh, well done. That's five. Damn. Oh, I thought I had it. That's pretty late. That's... Okay. Labyrinth. 16? Oh, you're pretty good. That was eight. Yeah. That was eight. Damn it. We should have played this game with me, really, shouldn't we? (laughs) 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 Uh, This is, no, you're too close on these. We we might have to do a Roadhouse Redux as well. There's a couple of movies we did really early on when we really didn't know what we're doing and we know a little bit more what we're doing now. And it would be lovely to revisit some of those, like Roadhouse. Mm. Perhaps even Labyrinth. Yeah. This 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 segment has sensationally backfired because I feel <laughs> last action hero. Yeah, that to that one I really couldn't tell you. Uh, maybe like thirty five, <laughs> thirty two. Really? Yeah, that's crazy. That's pretty good. That's I'm crazy. pretty happy with well, that. Yeah, so I, you're very good at this. Um, and in hindsight, I should have known that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm impressed with myself. Man, that was 
Yeah. Look, you were in th- within three on most of them, except for Labyrinth. You were yeah. ten out, eight out. Yeah. Like I'm genuinely impressed with myself. Yeah, you, it's a, it's it's took all comedic value out of that <laughs> little bit, and I think it's best we move on. Keep going. Well, okay. Two hundred movies, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Top three, bottom three. Ooh. How should we do it? Should we go one for one, top first, in reverse order? Oh, mine in order? Uh, mine, are just, mine are just written. And I have more than three, so I'm going to have to just guess. I'm going to just <laughs> Some pluck. honourable mentions. I'm just going to pluck, yeah. Oh, can I say also, my, mine are geared towards the ones that were maybe – there's movies I loved and I knew I would love and it's like, okay, whatever. Mm. I, I, tried to, I tried to skew it towards the surprise hits. Yeah, I've done that too. Because otherwise, yeah, like, yeah. if you look at the t- 200 films we've done, the cream rises to the top. Like, yeah. the is that, is that an expression? I think it, it could be. It is now. Okay. Basically, you know, films that were successful in their time, you know what? They hold up in many cases. Many cases. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to list out Goodfellas and movies like that I, that I knew I loved because no shit. Yeah. Is that where you went with this? Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. And same same with the when we do bottom three. The shit movies, some of them I knew were already shit. So I've I've put it more on, you know, biggest disappointments. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Perfect. All right. We'll go one for one. Are we doing best or worst first? Let's do best. Okay. Because then we also we'll do our top three JC All right. vehicles. And are they in order? <laughs> do we go on three? One, two, three. You know, like when Riggs is getting off the poo. The poo. <laughs> <laughs> Murder's getting pulled off the Murtoff's getting pulled off the toilet and they don't know whether to go on three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Would you be Riggs or Murtoff? I guess I've got the I guess I'm Murtoff. I think you're more Riggs. I guess. I am too old. I'm kind of we both Well, you know, it's a bit like Bueller and uh his mate. Like everyone's probably a bit of both. Mm, it's the yes. it's the ego and the id or whatever. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, um where, all were right. where were we? Where were we? We'll go top three. Mine are broadly in order. Give it. Give us your number three, Greg. Okay, and I'll give you mine. Um, all right, number three. I'll go. So I've got four here, so I'm going to ditch one, and I'm going to ditch Copland, and I'll go face off number three. Oh yeah. I'd like to take his his face off. So I don't know that I'd ever really seen that, and I think I just thoroughly enjoyed the excess of it all. That's valid. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I didn't have that in mind. And, oh, that's but, good. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Yeah, we, got some, we were worried we were going to have the same thing. Yeah. Um, I'm certain you don't have one of mine. but Because um, you didn't like yeah, it? Yeah, that's a good call, man. That was that was a fucking delight. It was a treat, feature. wasn't it? There was so much. Yeah. There were so many doves and. It's kind of perfect. Wind. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things I look for. I need to watch that again. My number three. Yes. My number three was. Uh, Men in Black. Oh, okay. Edgar, what on earth was that? Sugar. I've never seen sugar do that. Give me sugar and water. Which I know that sounds like kind of an uninteresting pick, but I was like, hey, Men in Black, like, yeah, it's Men in Black, whatever. Um, I knew I'd like it, mm. but I really liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And I think maybe because I was thinking more of the sequels, but the first one is a pretty pure mm. original, I know it's based on a comic, but like original vision of uh, just a whole weird world, yeah. fully realised, 
fucking hilarious, a tight 90 minutes. Great performances. Yeah, New York's kind of a main character, wouldn't you say? Glorious. Sugar water. Sugar Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, that alone. What's your number two, Greg? Uh, Number two, I'll go Predator 2. Yeah, nice, nice. This is what I call a speech, kid. It's the only one I got. I only give it once, so pay attention. Till now, it's all been fun and games, cops and robbers, Dunkin' Donuts. But you're in the shit now. I think I had that as my favourite from this year, right? Yeah, I think you did, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. That was a surprise hit. A surprise hit. for me. Yeah, me too. I was expecting it to suck. I really was. Um, Same. I think a lot of people love it, so they were like, oh, yeah, of course it's good. I didn't know that. I did not know that. I mean, every movie has its fans. That movie maybe had kind of a cult thing, but I feel like it has actually aged better. Mm -hmm. Like it's... I think especially with Prey coming out, it kind of puts it into a context that makes it work even better. Mm. That that whole construct of genre movie and an alien shows up. Mm. You know, it's, it, it works. I back that. It's not in my top three, but it very easily could have depending on, you know, the wind basically. Precisely. <laughs> my number two, <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. Ah, of course. I thought that might have been your number one actually. Well, yeah, I was when I just said my number two, I was tossing it up. Um, Little Shop of Horrors, I think I said on the episode, right? It was a movie I loved when I was a kid, and I didn't watch it since. And I just thought that's probably dumb, you know. But not only did I love it, it made me realize how much I actually like musicals. And I think it might just be my top five movies of all time now. Yeah, wow. I fucking love it. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. And we're going to go watch it on Broadway on my birthday in a few weeks. (laughs) That is so appropriate. I fucking love it, man. I love it so much. It's perfect. It's a perfect package of things. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah, it's not for Greg. Not for me. But it's for me. So comfortable. That's what I love about it. It's all my things. Yeah. And we're different humans. As it turns out. I mean, there's a Venn diagram with plenty of overlap, but then there's then we've got these little things on the side there. Yeah. 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 All right. What's your number one? My number one unexpected hit loved film of the last 200 episodes is Halloween. I met him 15 years ago. I I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. It's kind of, I think we we're both in the same boat in that one. I don't think either of us had watched it before. No, I didn't. I hadn't. It just wasn't a big. Well, certainly not the first one. Yeah, it wasn't as big in my uh, early years as Jason and Freddie were by any means. Like, Michael, I don't think yeah. it was as big in Australia, Michael Myers, as a thing. I don't think so. Well, yeah. Certainly not, not in my circles. Uh, and just the attention to detail and the shoestring budget that uh, John and co worked to. Uh, you know, the, the, the minutiae 
of painting leaves orange so that appeared to be autumn, etc. Yeah, at just the intensity, the bringing horror into the family home. There's just so many things that that film did for the genre. Yeah. It, it's just a pretty iconic film. You know, the simplicity of it all, the simplicity of the four notes or whatever it is that make the song that's Man. one of the most iconic riffs. I would even say the score is almost the main character in that film, Greg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just for those listening at home, I said that with my eyes closed. It's up there with Jaws in terms of its simplicity. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, Man. that's my number one. Great picture. What a great picture. I feel like I'm copping out a little with my number one now. And maybe it should have been number two because it wasn't really a surprise, but it was well, not a surprise. I already loved it, but I loved it even more. It, it solidified it as a perfect film and similar to Little Shop of Horrors in that it is perfect for me. It is all my things, except there's no singing in this one, but Total Recall. Ah, yes. Sweetheart, be reasonable. After all, we're married. Consider that a divorce. It's just perfect. Like that is probably... I go back and forth between that and 2001 Space Odyssey as probably my favourite movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? I had I had Total Recall in my – I probably bucketed that in in my films I knew I loved. But – Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm stretching it there, but I would say I don't think I would more. have thought of it as even in my top ten before. Yeah, yeah that's it fair. really like – it boosted it that's up. That's fair, man. Hey. I was like – is this a perfect movie? This is your podcast. Fuck yeah, it is, man. Consider that a divorce. Consider the divorce. the party, Richter. Yeah, there's a lot in there. There's a lot there's so in there. There's so much in there. It gets you asked to Mars. I say that often. Two weeks, man. Two weeks. I, I say it fortnightly. <laughs> um, Bi-weekly? <laughs> Bi-weekly, they say over here. Doesn't make any sense. It's not twice a week. It's fortnightly. Americans, <laughs> silly sausages. <laughs> Uh, is that top three? We did top three. Yeah, All right, we're getting somewhere, Greg. All right. Um, bottom three. Bottom three. Bottom one. Okay, I've got six here, so I'm going to need to pick. <laughs> I'll start with that Little Monsters movie. I thought you might have that one, yeah. Yeah, I nearly had it in there, but I still kind of I had some enjoyment out of it, but I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. that was just yeah. too fucking creepy. <laughs> It's one of those, I was reflecting on that too. It is creepy, but I can't tell, because to your point, what, what Greg's alluding to here is it is kind of like a pedophilia type of vibe to it, like grooming young boys basically. Um, if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, you're probably like, what the fuck is this movie? If you see it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess I can kind of see it. It's a kid's movie. But, but then I'm like, if, that's, if it's meant to be that, does that make it a good movie? Like is it a commentary or something? But it's not really saying anything about it. Yeah, so it's just kind of creepy. Yeah. I don't blame you. I've got no nostalgia connection to it either, so that's probably Yeah, and I do, I do. So you, you have more of an objective view and I'm looking at through rose-coloured Howie Mandel lenses. Next, what about you? Yeah, my number three bottom, this is an easy one because it was recent and I I wouldn't put it any higher in the worst because my expectations weren't that high. I mean, it was way worse than I remembered, but it wasn't the worst and it wasn't a high stakes thing for me really. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Buffy. 
Oh, I yeah. Think. It was yeah. disappointing. It was disappointing. Yeah. It's just kind of meh. Great concept, right? Mm. Great concept. Mm. And you've got Dylan in there. Yeah. What else do you need? Yet, yet they still bungled it. Rutger Hauer. We did eventually get a TV show. Rutger Hauer, yeah. Pee Wee. David Arquette. David Arquette. The list goes on. Yeah. Others. Mm. Milton. Swanston. Stephen Root. Swanson. Yeah, Swanson. All of the above, man. Yeah. And yeah, not in like a, oh, what a, the worst movie of all time. No, no, no. Of course not. But just, just no. Expected more. Disappointment. And the, and the wound is fresh, I guess you could say. We just finished the vampire mini and here we are. All right. What's your, what's your second worst uh, film okay. of the 200? I will go Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Fuck, I didn't like that at all. There's no witch in there, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could have been number one. That was last Halloween where we thought we were doing a bunch of witch movies and it turns out <laughs> it was little. Two, two films with witch in the title didn't have witches in them, Season of the Witch yeah. and Blair Witch. Yeah, I will say I have Halloween too on, on my short list here as well. I, that was just yeah. all kinds of weird with... Again, with the old boy just pulling the young girl, that was just weird. Oh, and a friend of the show, I think, pointed out, because I had forgotten, he does the same thing in the other Carpenter movie, The Fog. Yeah, right. And it's in that one, it's it's Jamie Lee Curtis. But it's the same deal, just this older gentleman, a little squishy around the sides, hooking up with young babes mm. and just kind of without any... I don't know, charisma. Right. It just kind of happens. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a battling middle-aged man. And it's not against him, but it's more the writing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's not like it's a... It's like, why, why? Yeah. It's not like a dashing, suave, older gentleman. He looks like like more of a like old gill, like a bit of a battler. Anyway. Yeah, and it also just feels unnecessary, like yeah. irrelevant. What does it I don't know. do it's to just, the plot? Absolutely it's nothing. Yeah. It's like so he wrote funny. it. Yeah, yeah, It's like yeah, John yeah, Favreau yeah. making. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make this movie about a chef. I think my wife, my estranged wife <laughs> will be Sophia Vergara and my yeah. girlfriend will be Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess down to my second worst. This is going to be controversial because I think it was controversial at the time. But again, context here is you know, previous perception versus current, like the rewatch I versus the- I wonder if this is my number one. No, it won't be. Okay. Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Okay, yep. And again, this is not saying it's the worst movie. Yeah. People are going to be losing it right now. But I thought that movie was fucking amazing as a child. Like this is the best movie ever made. And now I just find it all pretty like meh. I can't even, I don't want to even get into all the, I, I'm not going to bash this movie, but I, let's just say overall I kind of saw past the. Uh, the whitewashing of history? The bell, the bells and whistles. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, he, everything goes right for him because he just says yes to everything, does everything the government says. and um, a lesson in that. Poor, poor, poor Jenny who like, you know, goes experimenting and, you know, Protests, freedoms, and such. Dad's she gets age. AIDS and dies. Everything bad happens to her, and he just accidentally gets everything he wants just for following orders. <laughs> That's right. Um, and but I mean, there's great performances in there, great soundtrack. But even the soundtrack itself is kind of like, 
Well, of course it's a great soundtrack. You just picked all of It is. Okay. This is, okay. <laughs> I don't remember if I said this on the episode. Forrest Gump is to boomers what um, Stranger Things is to millennials. And that's not to say I hate Stranger Things either, but sometimes I do get a little pissed off at where, pissed off at it where it just does feel like vapid nostalgia versus Mambo. an actual idea of, you know, a, yes. a show. Yeah. So it felt like that okay. a little bit. But anyway, hey, in my opinion, I'm not saying it's objectively bad or anything, but just for me it didn't hit the same as a 30-something. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I like that it's controversial. And so in the spirit of keeping up, with being controversial, yeah, I'm going to park Cobra, which deserves an honourable <laughs> mention. That's so borderline because it's almost yeah so bad it's good. Yeah, but I didn't realise. I thought it was going to yeah. be a lot grittier. I didn't realise he was going to be wearing <clears throat> flares and have a number plate. What was his number plate? Awesome. awesome, awesome. Like, yeah. So I'm going to park that one, <laughs> and I'm just going to go with the film that I adored when I was a kid. Like it was one of my favourite series. Yeah. But its ageing has been somewhat problematic uh, and that is right. Police Academy. Oh, fuck, yeah, actually, damn. I would put that right up there. Yeah, it, did, it hasn't. Movieverse might be upset. He's got a whole page dedicated to it. Yeah. I respect that. But just the rewatch was like, oh, there's some stuff On in On every there. level. It is kind of the poster child of what a movie not holding up is. Yeah. And to be honest, I thought we'd have more of those and I'm surprised we haven't. Like 200 episodes, I don't think there's only a handful of movies we've said don't hold up. Yeah. But that is probably the number one. Yeah. It's just everything. I didn't even know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so. It's dense. It, yeah, it's dense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, if, if you're thinking, if you, yeah, go listen yeah. to the app or even watch the, watch the movie. You're probably thinking, yeah, I'll watch this. And then rewatch you like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. think uh, I think most of you would get it. Yeah, Glimmer Man sobby deserves an honourable mention for <laughs> for its efforts as well. Yeah, okay, well that was pretty fun. We had a nice blend there. We had a mix, which I've got one more. Group. Oh, oh shit! Sorry, sorry. Bottom. Here I am moving on. Brick not hit back. Um, what is your brick? The worst one, and this is more. Perhaps based on my unrealistic expectations, um, Teen Wolf. Oh yeah, you didn't. Yeah, that was a stinker. That sucked, and it's like it's one of those ones. The idea of it, the aesthetic of it, the it is my jam. Yeah, but executionally, there's a couple of moments that are kind of fun, but otherwise, man, uh, the dad, the dad's great. Yeah. Michael J. Fox is always great. Sweatiest basketball I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it is a bit of a dumpster <laughs> fire in terms of just the plot. It all just kind of yeah, happens. and the, the real rapey best friend. Yeah, the plot just doesn't even make any damn oh, sense. Oh, the best friend. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was horrible and really positioned as like the cute guy. Yeah, what's um? He's like Roy in the in the Simpsons. Yeah, hi Roy. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be one thing if they made him more of a stifler type where he's a jerk and that's the point, but they kind of positioned him more as, yeah, he's the cool guy. Nah, yeah, mm. nah. nah, I'm not here for it, Roy. Yeah. Dick knows. He would have been He would have been good in uh, License to Drive as well. He would have I been I thought good. one of us might have yeah. had that in there. Yeah, yeah. Number one, Teen Wolf, there you go. There you go, there you have it. Teen Wolf and Police Academy. These are all movies we've covered too, so if you take Umbridge – 
with any of these. Just go listen to them. Boost our numbers. <laughs> yeah, just give us a bit of, uh, you know, have, give us give us an hour of your time to explain ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, Stop whatever you're doing <laughs> and let us explain why we don't like the movie you love. After listening to Or this. why we love the movie you don't love. Yeah. Yeah, after listening to all of this and leaving a review. Keep going. Yeah. Well, speaking of great movies, Greg, we're here to talk about a film that came out in 1988. Ah, uh, yes. Big year for you, that one, Good I for think. me. As a, Perhaps. As a, as a for the culture. Citizen of Earth. <laughs> Little citizen of Earth over here. Um, yeah, big year for all of us. It was Expo 88. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a fair bit about Expo 88 over the years, Tristan. We sure have. I hadn't heard of it, you know. When, when you first brought it up, I don't think it was the first Bloodsport episode. I think it was maybe one just before. But wow. Wow. I had never heard of it. I would never heard of it. Everything I know about Expo 88 is from you in Jeez, these conversations. That's, um, that's alarming. <laughs> Slightly satisfying. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Well, look, there probably is a few listeners that are newish. Uh, and given it's our 200th yeah. episode, rather than doing a particular deep dive into one of the many facets of the event. High divers, for instance. High divers. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll just do a, a more, I'll skim the surface uh, of some of the things we've covered, some of the areas of the event we've covered. Um, so we're obviously okay. talking about Expo 88 held in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia in 1988. Mm-hmm. A Wells Fair like none other, a six-month period mm. between April and October. Six months? Oh, yeah. I thought maybe 10 days. Oh, no. So it was half the year, Tristan. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy good. I just learned another new thing. Yeah, there you go. How about that? Now, you remember the theme of this event? It was leisure in the age of technology. 88 was <laughs> the age of technology, that. Tristan. 88. Yeah, sure was. With your Walkmans. Oh, Oh. And your whoopee cushions. How did it's? <laughs> <What? All laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, pro- probably. That's basically, it. Yeah. Probably. Um, <laughs> talkies. Walkie talkies. Oh gosh, walkie talkies were huge at the time. Um, yeah, literally. Whatever, whatever happened to those big, guys? Very big things. Yeah. <laughs> we've got phones now. Look, um, oh, what else? Did we, what we talked about? We talked about the art. We've talked yeah, about the, we've talked about the high divers. We've talked yeah, about sure great have. Sir Sir Lou Edwards, the man behind the vision, behind the idea, behind yeah, the, the platypus. Guy. The guy behind the guy, Mr. Expo. He passed away just last year. The week, well, we covered him the week uh, he passed away, or thereabouts. If you want to hear more about Expo '88, just look for any episode mm. for a movie that came out in '88 and monorail. And- <laughs> Built a monorail, Tristan. Yeah, forty odd countries. Ah, oh, the list goes on. <laughs> the list goes on, and you know what else goes on? The memories. You yeah. can dive into some Facebook groups and talk about. Well, there are a lot of uh, trapped souls in the on Kangaroo Point, Brisbane. Yeah, uh, and you can find them. Um, living out their best memories on Expo 88. I think one story I told, there was a gentleman 
basically on there going, hey, does anyone remember Pam? <laughs> I've changed her name to protect Pam. <laughs> That's right. Basically saying, do you remember Pam? She worked there. We dated while it was on. Wonder what Pam's <laughs> up to. God, I miss Expo. Um, something to that effect. <laughs> but there's also some pretty good merch available. Now, Tristan, what I did want to say... Yeah. There's, there's great merch available on there. 88 mm. was obviously a, you know, a vibe, um, windbreakers and such. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Tristan, mm-hmm. do you know what's interesting, mate? It's like <laughs> there's like a reincarnation happening and Brisbane has been announced to host the 2032 Olympic Games. Yeah. Now, obviously, when they pitched for it, they literally just played a 10-minute video on Expo 88. Yeah, that they pulled off YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Played the song. <laughs> they showed they showed Fonzie up there, the voice, mm. doing his thing with his hair. So <laughs> 20, 2032, Tristan, could be, I mean, it won't quite be Expo level, but it could be, you know, a version of. Well, here's the thing on that, Greg. I think we've talked about this once before, but I think we should be campaigning to get a commentary gig mm. for 2032. Campaign 2032. Mm. I think so. Greg and I. Calling the games. I mean, we should at least make a podcast. Yeah, we'll bring we'll bring the whole uh, event to your ears. <laughs> Maybe podcasts won't even exist then. 2030, that's 10 years away. Yeah. Shit moves fast, man. Wow. AI, wow. baby. Wow. Yeah. So there it is, a very succinct and eloquent wrap-up of Expo very, 88. Very succinct, very eloquent. Keep going. Uh, all of the above. I mean, Expo 88, it was, a, it was a big thing that happened in 1988. And, you know, it's, oh. it's always important that you, you ground yeah. us in the year that was before we get into the movie. But um, when you know it, it was also a very big year for film. Yeah, it really was, which yeah. is crazy. Because uh, no crazy. one went to them. <laughs> Top 10 films in 1988 Number 1, Rain Man Number 2, Who Framed Roger Rabbit Number 3, Coming to America Number 4, Big Number 5, Twins Number 6, Crocodile Dundee 2 Number 7, Die Hard mm. Number 8, The Naked Gun Number 9, Cocktail Number 10, Beetlejuice We've covered Seven? All of those Six. except two Yeah Everything except Rain two. Man and Roger no, Rabbit three and Dundee 2. We did oh, Dundee, Dundee 2. One. Yeah, we did Dundee 1. So we've done seven. Seven time capsules of Expo. Yeah, seven of the top ten. Anyway, just outside of the top ten, just outside, coming in at number 81 that year, mm. was a little film. Yes, yes. About a man named Frank Dukes, an American with a funny accent, mm. called Bloodsport.
would you know it, Greg? As of last week, it was the 35th anniversary of this very film. 35. It's our 200th anniversary. <laughs> That's true. Oh, 35 is nothing. It's episode, not years. No, no. Yes. What a we'll momentous time to be doing this film. And can we just like just just uh, just just sit in this for a minute? We're doing Bloodsport again. It's exciting. It's the 35th anniversary. Yes, we've we're probably an hour into the podcast at this point. We've talked about other things, but now it's Bloodsport time, man. It's Bloodsport time. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of energy. I'm excited. Also, yeah. you know what's super interesting? So obviously this is the part where I go through some of the numbers on, you know, it's budget, gross, etc. Uh-huh. Some of these numbers have shifted since we last did it in the last four what? years. Yeah, so Bloodsport came out in February deal? of 1988. <laughs> what kind of a deal? <laughs> Sorry. You're not going to call the carbs? <laughs> <laughs> Came out in February of 1988. Budget of $1.5 million to $2.3. Unclear. Gross box office of $50 million. Last time that was ambiguous. I think it said somewhere between 10 and 40 or something. But now it says $50 million. Also, Rotten Tomato scores have changed from a critic score point of view, which is very interesting. So four years ago when we did this, the critic score for Bloodsport was 30%. Audience score, 74%. Mm. Critic score has shot up to 46%. That is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a pass. Almost. A conceded so pass. Would you say, yeah. would you say, I mean, it's a pretty simple deduction that. It's aged well, it's, I guess. It's aging well. Yeah. It's, like we a fine pen, pen, pens down. <laughs> we solved it. Job uh, done. Well, why don't we check the critic consensus to see for sure. Uh, Critic consensus has follows. This is where it all began for the muscles from Brussels. Uh, But beyond Van Damme's athleticism, Bloodsport is a cliched, virtually plotless exercise Mm, in action movie recycling. I mean, hang on. I don't know about recycling because that was, it's kind of, I know it's not the first martial arts film. I know it's not the first tawny, but you know, there's, this became, this was the thing that got recycled. Give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I, it's not a it's not a term I would use to describe it. Maybe a pastiche. Personally. Is it a pastiche? You could say that. <laughs> a love letter. Mm, to who? Yeah, to Mentos. <laughs> Martial arts. Yeah, to Mentos. <laughs> that Mentos video has been doing the rounds again lately. Um, I always know when it when good. it pops because I get about ten people send it to me. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about how someone cut the chase scene um, from Bloodsport into a Mentos ad and it's really good. And actually I tracked down the guy that made it because that was early internet days. I remember watching that with you at work in like 2006. Genius. You tracked him down? Yeah, tracked him down, found him on the TikTok. Cool. Yeah. The ledge. Yeah, he's just some guy, but good on him. Hey, uh, was Bloodsport a big film for you, Greg? Yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> It was a big film. It was from an era when it was hard to get hold of these type of movies. Yeah, true. I think I said when we first did it, I think my mate Milan, who's a mutual friend of ours, I think I, think I would have watched a fair bit in his granny flat, but I probably saw a copy before that. Um, but it was a hard one to get hold of, Tristan. It wasn't like today. 
where you can access everything via the internet mm. and streaming and such. Mm. Um, but it was, a, you know, it was an iconic film. It was Van Damme doing the splits and kicks and there was blood. There was Chong Lee, some big Jackson guy. You know, it was all there. <laughs> it had it all. It had it all. It was an ethereal masterpiece. When do you reckon you were? How Greg. old do you think? Yeah, 10 year old. You reckon probably that's about. Year? Yeah. Probably. It was probably rumors of it. I mean, I was eight in 88. Sorry. No, I was six in 88. Good maths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, you know, it takes back then it took a couple of years, didn't it? To, yeah. They had, to, they had to ship them in across the, mm. the Pacific. I do think this film in particular was maybe a like a rite of passage in a lot of ways. Mm. It's, yeah, it's like a thing when you're about 10. Yeah. Maybe the first thing like this that you watch. And, and I know it's a, yeah, big movie for me too, very similar thing. I used to watch these kinds of movies at Jono's house down the street when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And this was the, the big one. This was the biggest. Mm. I don't know how many times I've seen it, um, but a lot. Like a lot. There's no way for me to be objective about this film. It's just in there. It's just all in there. It's definitely in there. But one thing I was reflecting on of, 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 you know, my memories of this film and something that, you know, has been brought more into focus for me recently because I'm realising a lot of these movies we do, I I, I, I realised the stuff I found scary when I, was, when I was a kid was this stuff that is really not scary and usually like body stuff, like the hand in the sand on Jaws. Yeah, yeah. And then there was something the other week and I can't remember what it was that creeped me out when I was a kid. The broken sh- the broken shin? It was, so what that's what I was going to say. Well, in this film it is the broken shin. That was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing that always stuck with me. The yeah. Michelle oh, Kissies. my God. You can see his knee or you can see his yeah. shin bone or whatever it was. Like anything's poking out where it shouldn't, that was the most horrifying thing. Like more horrifying than Chong Lee killing someone when I was a kid was was that shin bone. Mm, mm. Um, and, and Chong Lee was the scariest motherfucker I'd ever seen because of the, the shin bone, not because he murdered people. I think he still is though. Yeah, he is, but now because oh, of murder. Oh, but that murder. was the reason why, because yeah. of the murder now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Sorry. Keep going. Anyway, big movie, huge movie for, for both of us and surely all of you at home. Uh, but with that, why don't I get into the origin story? Please do. Origin story. All right, so very, very special treat for friends of the show here. Um, obviously, this is based on the, the life and times of Frank Dukes uh, and is written by Sheldon Ledich. Uh, both of whom we have spoken to. So we've got a few clips, um, some chunky ones too. In Origin Story, I, 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 I've got a clip I want to play from my interview with Sheldon Ledich last week where, you know, he talks about when he first met Frank and some other bits mm. and pieces. But um, before we get into that, a couple of things I just want to call out because we touch on it in the interview and we will release the full interview as its own thing down the track. But um, we've cut together the most relevant stuff for origin story purposes. But a couple of points I want to land before I press play because it's good context for this. When we did our first episode on Bloodsport four years mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. Um, we had some confusion around, oh, but he wrote Rambo 3. Was that first or after? Yada, yada, yada. He did write Rambo 3 first. Not only mm-hmm. did he write Rambo Confirmed. 3 before Bloodsport, he also made a short film called Firefight 
you'll hear him reference it in this clip, but we didn't, you know, there's, there's a longer version where we'll cover it in more detail. Keep going. He wrote a short film called Firefight, which was, which starred Frank Dukes and was the debut of Brian Thompson. Yeah. And he was AKA also. AKA Not Arnie. AKA Not Arnie. And was also offered the gig to write Kickboxer before Bloodsport was officially a thing. So these three mm. movies, before we even get to Bloodsport, were all in play. Yeah, before before we get to the actual origin story. So anyway, why don't I play the clip? This is from last week. Spoke to Sheldon for about an hour. This clip's about 20 minutes and it's a, it's a good time, man, I tell you. Mm, mm. But, yeah, with that, I'll, I'll hand it back over to Tristan from last week. I guess I'd love to start with, like, Frank Dukes himself. I, I know okay. I've, I've heard a lot. Um, I mean, we've spoken to Frank Dukes as well. We've heard a lot of his stories. <laughs> but I just, when I think about and when I read about, you know, you guys him telling you this story of the Kumite and, and you going, huh, that could be a movie. Right, right. What was that like? Like could you talk us through the the first time you ever met Frank Dukes? Okay, it's a long story. Uh, I'll start at the beginning. Here's how I met Frank. Yeah. Um, I uh, had written a, um, a screenplay called Fire Base. Right. And uh, I, had a, I had an agent that wanted to represent me uh, based on that script. That's how I got hired for Rambo 3, by the way, was because of this script, ah, because okay. they don't really liked the script. And uh, and he knew that I was an actual Vietnam veteran, which is great uh, on his part, because, you know, he wanted to hire a, a real guy who'd really been there to work on a Rambo script with him. So I'd, I certainly admire him for that. Right. Um, so Frank had written a book, a novel called The Last Rainbow. And um, it was about a thousand pages long, huh. and it really was not a bad book. Was the, Frank's not a, not a bad writer? You know, he's got a great imagination. <laughs> and the only problem is that um, um, he he convinces himself that he really did. Enough, okay, it's like Tom Clancy saying, uh, "Well, you know, I really am Jack Ryan. I did all this. Yeah, I did all the secret missions." You no, know, Tom Clancy just says, "I'm writing about this fictional character," and he does quite well with those books. Well, Frank. Uh, comes up with fictions, but then he said he puts himself in them as the lead character. <laughs> then tells people, "I did all this stuff. I, I was in the Kumite, uh, and uh, I won. Uh, I won this award. They gave me a sword. Uh, uh, yeah. That was my my prize was a sword. Well, so where's the sword, Frank? We'd love to see it. Oh, I gave it away because uh, there was a boatload of orphans that was being held." Uh, hostage by pirates near the Philippines. And I traded them the sword so that these orphans could be freed. Okay. Another great, another great story. Sure. Frank would make a good movie. Yeah. Do this. yeah. Um, so um, anyways, this agent, uh, Harold uh, Moskowitz asked me if I could cut the book down. I basically cut it in half. He said, okay, it's a thousand pages. Ah. If it was 500 pages, I bet I could sell this book. So um, uh, I read the book and uh, I told Harold, well, maybe I can do it. Um, but I'd like to meet Frank first. So he gave me Frank's phone number. I got in touch with Frank. And Frank actually had a martial arts dojo in the San Fernando Valley. I believe it was uh, North Hollywood at the time. and. Um, we met, 
And so here he is. It's 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 a real martial arts dojo. He's got the martial arts weapons on the walls and all this. So yeah, so the guy's a real deal. He's a real martial artist. Mm. And uh, the the uh, the brochures for his uh, school. Uh, he was talking about all these these achievements of his. Uh, that you know he won the kumite and he was trained by an actual ninja master in Japan when he was a teenager. They whisked him away. He was he was so talented in martial arts that they actually took him to Japan when he was about 16 years old. And uh, he uh, he trained under this uh, martial art, this ninjutsu master named Tiger Tanaka. That's right. And Tiger Tanaka, turns out, was the name of a character in a James Bond book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he only lived twice. Okay, so that's where he got that from. So he got a lot of a lot of ideas from various sources and put them together. Um, the martial arts tournament idea probably came from Enter the Dragon. Uh, uh, quite honestly, I had not even seen Enter the Dragon prior to writing Bloodsport. I was basically just going off of Frank's stories. And yeah. Frank was telling me details about it. I came up with the idea into a film when he told me that it was so brutal and bloody that the nickname for it was blood sport. Mm. Well, I heard that and I, you know, like, like a, a choir of angels was singing. Like <laughs> wow. Is that a good title for a movie? And the stories that, that about the Kumite and you winning the Kumite, that's a great movie. That's a, we should, we should do something with this. We should write this up. We never did. We didn't write it up we, we just, you know, we just talked about it. Right. Uh, and um, then uh, um, then we shot Firefight, which everybody's going to have an opportunity to see very soon. It has not been shown to anybody. Nobody has seen this little movie in it's 40 amazing. years. It's like a time capsule, yeah. It's a time capsule, right, yeah. right. With, you know, Brian Thompson's first movie and Frank Dukes is actually in it and yeah. the Reed Brothers. So, so we were working on this little movie and I needed to do post production on it because we didn't have we didn't have digital editing equipment and you couldn't edit a movie on your computer. Had to go to an actual post production house and I went to this one very low budget post production house in Hollywood called Movie Tech. So, anyways, I'm editing uh, Firefight Movie Tech, and next door to me is a guy named Ruben Mazzini who's editing porno movies. Okay. Uh, and Ruben and I started talking. I mentioned to him that, uh, yeah, I'd been hired to write uh, Rambo 3 with Stallone. So Ruben tells me that his, uh, the guy he's working for, his producer, Mark DeSalle, is looking for a writer. And would I mind having lunch with Mark DeSalle to talk about this project that he wants to have written? Um, so um, we hooked that up. I had lunch with Mark. So he had an idea for a martial arts movie which he called Kickboxer. Huh. And it, it's Kickboxer to me. And um, I liked it, but didn't love it because I knew I had something even better. So I, 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 I tell him, Mark, I got a better idea. Okay. It's called Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Wow. He's instantly <laughs> on board. He loved the title. And then I told him about the, the you know, Frank Dukes, this, this real guy named Frank Dukes. He lives here in LA. I can introduce you to him. Um, and he claims that he won the Kumite and, and actually Black Belt Magazine validates his, he won the Kumite. Um, and so, um, uh, we can meet with him. 
Well, we did. That was the next step. Yeah. Uh, Mark and I had a meeting with uh, Frank Dukes, and Mark got sold on the idea. And so Mark ended up hiring me to write a screenplay based on the, quote, true life story of Frank Dukes. And he paid Frank uh, for the rights to his life story. Not his full life story, as right. Frank will reiterate over and over, because of, you know, it's only about the Kumite. You can't talk about my Medal of Honor or me as a CIA agent and all that stuff, all of which was just a fantasy in his head. But you can write about the Kumite. So he gave Mark the rights to do a movie based upon his participation in the Kumite. Mm. And I wrote the screenplay and got paid, um, I think I was paid a grand total of uh, $2,500. Oh, wow. So yeah, I was, I, you know, I was really slumming back then, but yeah. it all worked out because uh, um, I got a big bump when they actually turned it into a movie. I've been getting residuals on it ever since. So uh, that, was a, that was a good investment there. Man, not a bad investment at all. Just that last thing you said there. So you got paid 2500 initially. I didn't ask him how much those residuals are. I've always been curious about that. Yeah. It, well, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because he alluded that it wasn't bad. He yeah. alluded. Eluded. But, you know, he could just be alluding to make himself sound cooler. But I don't know. I feel like this thing would have made a few bucks over the years. Distribution. Oh, man. I was watching, I was listening to Blank Check the other day and I was, Oh, I'm trying to remember this fact and I'm going to get it wrong. So I guess it's technically not a fact, but let me illustrate the point. It was basically, they're talking about a movie of which there was one guy in it with a bit of a, a very small role, but not quite a cameo, but a comedian and he had a small role in the film, but it was a big film. And I think they said he gets like a hundred grand a year residuals just from that one scene he did. Or whatever. Oh, so yeah, I, I've, since oh yeah. I heard that a few weeks ago, I've just That's always been- my kind of residual. Right? I've always been curious about residuals. Like how much do you actually get? I know other other friend of the show, Adam Wiley, he's made TikToks about his residuals and often they're just like two bucks. Five like, cents. Because he's been yeah. in so many things, like TV shows and stuff. Um, so I guess somewhere between 100 grand ask. a year and two, two cents. cents. <laughs> That's the ballpark. Um, but, yeah, obviously Sheldon touched on a bunch of stuff there. We're going to get more into the mythology of Dukes, I guess, a bit later and, you know, uh, what's true, what's not, uh, who knows. But um, I guess all in all it's based on a true story, air quotes. Mm. More on that later. Mm. Keep going. From a casting point of view, obviously we this, is, this was, you know, not the official first JC film, but it is very much his arrival, I would argue. Oh, actually, side note, the other thing I learned in speaking to Sheldon was how to pronounce Menachem Golan's name. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's hard to say. Menachem. <laughs> Menachem. But I'm trying it really hard, hard to say names properly. It was properly. hard. Yeah. <laughs> you should have told Sheldon. He would have. He could have coached you. Yeah. It was hard to even replicate when he was saying it. He was yeah. saying it quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky he said it a whole bunch of times. So for those who don't know, Menachem Golan is the, the head of Canon Films. So big fucking deal. And apparently JC, you know, I don't know if he went to his office or saw him out and about or whatever it is, but he went up to him and said, I'm the next movie star and did a big kick. <laughs> mm. It's a funny story. Um, I always want to meet Menachem Golan because, you know, he's number one action film in the States right now, especially on karate. 
ninja film and everything. So I call Canon and I say, I've got an important meeting with Menaden. He know me, I'm leaving tomorrow for France. And I didn't tell the truth, by the way, but Menarem is a very curious person. So he said, who's right. that guy? He know me? I don't know him. I want to see that guy. So when I met him the first time, I did my split. Right. I show my muscles and I say, I'm the best and I'm not too expensive right now. Take me now. He said, you got it. This is blood sport. You're hired. <laughs> um, and, you know, bish bash bosh, he goes off a film. Rap party at the Viper Room. A rap party somewhere in Hong Kong. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm. I never eat here. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. I love that. And then the dog. <laughs> the dog. It's the so dog's not a great actor, but mm. I don't know. Um, all right, let's play the trailer. Okay. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. Society of the Black Dragon, I never noticed that. I can that. do it now for the first yeah, time. Yeah, until we spoke the story of America's Yeah, because he talked about this group he joined called the Black Dragon. Yeah. Sam can't afford to let you get I didn't know they ran the Kumite. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. It's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop him. Take him. Enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules, no press. You telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, <laughs> every worthy opponent, every deadly technique, I, I clash in savage combat. Every fighting style. Separate the men from the boys. Muay Thai, Taekwondo, Karate. Ray Jackson. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Bloodsport. The true story of the ultimate champion. Great trailer. Great trailer. Uh, but they got so much to work with. Like the, the movie is mostly a montage. Like it's great. Mm. The movie is itself a trailer for itself in many ways. It's very Hey, Frank, haven't heard from you yet. Oh, yeah, here we go. It's very astute on your part. You're going to hear that in context too a little later on because I'll play the, the clip where yeah. um, uh, Frankie talks us through the, the real Kumite and the differences between the film and, and this. Where did, is, did he use the astute button when you likened him to the Beatles? <laughs> no. Uh, um <laughs> he certainly like, res- he responded well to that. He loved it. I likened him to him, JC, and Sheldon as the Beatles of martial arts films, and he was yeah. very happy about that. Yeah, um, I mean, happy. I thought it was a pretty cool thing to say. Uh, may have over- overcooked it a little, but you know, <laughs> we needed him. We wanted him to open up, and he really did. And he's a lovely bloke. We were way. yes, we were sucking at the teat. Yeah. of Dukes. Can we, actually, yeah, let's, get, let's get that out of the way too. We've played one clip from Sheldon. We're going to play another clip from Sheldon later. We're going to play a clip from from Dukes. I don't know. Everyone's like, with Dukes, is he lying? Is he not? And you know, there's some accusations that'll fly both ways between the two. We are we have utmost respect for both of these men. They gave up time out of their day to speak to us. We we appreciate that. So we're not trying to like 
catch anyone out in a lie or anything like that, like that. It's really just a matter of we wanted to speak to different people with different perspectives on making this film, and so that's what you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, we'll no doubt question the validity of some of Frank's claims because you, you can't help but do that. But, you know, I have thoughts that swing both ways on that one, but we'll, we'll get to that. Mm. Before we do, though, Greg, what happened in this movie? Well, look, we've discussed it before. It's a story of honour, valour, self-fulfilment, mm. family, trust, adventure, love. But above all else, Tristan, it's about mateship. Absolutely. One man that will do anything for his mates. He wants to honour his sensei mate and his sensei mate's son mate. I'm going to Hong Kong. To honour you means everything to me. He goes to Hong Kong to fight in a tourney and there he makes a mate. A real good mate called Jackson. <laughs> if you want to see some real fighting, you can see me fight at the Kumite. I'm here too for the Kumite. Aren't you a little young for full contact? Aren't you a little old for video games? He breaks a brick and pulls a chick and does spinny kicks. <laughs> His name is Dukes. No, no, no. It's Dukes. Gotcha. Like put up your Dukes, right? Frank Dukes. Some slam poetry right there, man. That was good. That's it. That's what the movie is. Yeah. That's the synopsis. You know, I went to chat GPT to try and help me with the poem. Oh, yeah. And was it helpful? Can I can I give you a little bit of chat PT, GPT's poetry? Yeah. Now, I was having a bit of trouble with it because it made a few versions and I had to add things in. <laughs> so the first one goes for quite a while. Here's to Frank Dukes, the man of legend whose fighting skills will always commend. That doesn't really rhyme. And I said, hey, include something about his friendship with Jackson and make it shorter. <laughs> so it said, Frank Dukes, master of the fight, champion of the Kumite's might. Oh. With Jackson by his side, his foes, they couldn't be abide. I was like, no, this is still not it. I said, add dim muck. <laughs> add in splits. Oh, yeah, now you're cooking with And high-waisted pants. Yeah. And make it shorter. Frank Dukes, master of the fight, champion of the Kumite's might, with Jackson by his side, his folds they couldn't abide, his high-waisted pants, his splits so wide, became a trademark of his fighting pride. In his dojo he trained with grace, his skills unapparelled in any race. (laughs) Greg, I think you Uh, may have just written a children's book. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Can we make that, can we turn that into a thing? We'll just use AI to illustrate it and we're done. Yeah. And then Frank Dukes will sue us in a couple of years. Well, we can get his blessings, give him a percentage. That's true. Yeah, that works. I'm in. We can't call it Bloodsport because that's too aggressive for a kid's book. Yeah. What will we call it? What about the Little Dukes? And it's kind of like the Little Prince. Yeah, the Little little Dukes. Dukes. I like it. I'm in. Perfect. Keep going. Anyway, great poem. Well, first of all, great synopsis, Greg, as usual. Great poem. Uh, great use of AI, I must say. Uh, we both rewatched. Mine this was film. better though, wasn't it? Yours was better, of course. Come on, you can't you can't deny the human touch. The robots aren't mm. quite there yet. Mm. Well, they'll get there, and then they'll rise up against us. But for now, we reign supreme. Uh, but we both watched this film again this week, mm. um, and and I guess now's the time we we talk about that. How was the rewatch for you, Greg? It was great. I had a nice time. 
Um, I've just got some musings, you know, like I don't yeah. really have too many coherent um, sweeping statements. Yeah, yeah. I've just got things written down, like Paco was even more enjoyable. I agree. I really tried to get him pinned down for an interview too, but he didn't reply, unfortunately. He's active on the on the on the socials. I know. I thought I would really get a reply from him, but um, mm. he's a big part. Of, he's a small part in this movie, but he's a big part of the movie. Like he is so cool. Do I think? Yeah, he's quite a quite a aesthetic. Yeah. Did something happen? Because I don't. I saw on his Instagram. He's like, "Oh, I'm so happy this book got released." It's some French written book about the making of Bloodsport. Did you see that? I saw it, and he's like. Thank you for giving my side or something something like that. And I was like, oh, oh what is that? does he have a different take on the events? I don't know. We'll have to, you know, I guess when we do this for a third time in episode 400, we'll dig a little deep. Yeah. But there was seemed, there appeared to be something there. That's interesting. Mm. That is interesting. Mm. And, yeah, one thing I didn't remember, um, you know, always there's always value in a rewatch because there's things that I forget. But um, he basically was like, the second last boss in video game terms. Like he had mm. to beat him before Chong Lee, right? I think that was the second yeah. last one. So he was pretty legit. Like he fucked up he fucked up Dukes a little. Yeah. And it was so early you- Muay Thai, right? Like Muay Thai is obviously pretty mainstream now, but early in terms of pop culture. Like that wasn't yeah. a huge thing yet. Not to the best of my knowledge at yeah. eight years old. Keep going. Um but you enjoyed it? You enjoyed the film? I enjoyed it. There was there was lots of great one liners. Wow. A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> Rich with one-liners, and um, I mean we're obviously going to retread territory we covered last time, but hopefully slightly more articulately. Perhaps articulately may not be a word, but the bromance is sweet. I really love that about this film. Mm, I know there's lots of other things in here like violence ties but, it together. Yeah, the bromance is the glue, the sweet glue that that sticks it all together. But the only thing that kind of stood out to me this time. Maybe he did last time too. I can't remember. But when we first meet Jackson, he's he kind of has a, a debut a bit like a villain because he's on the bus and he's being a jerk to that woman. Yeah. And I guess that might have just been the 80s and the intent of that scene was just to show that he's flirty or whatever, but he was he's kind of being a dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was harassing a, he was harassing a, a, a small lady on a bus. Yeah. He doesn't push it too hard. But it's uncomfortable. Yeah, his presence yeah. would be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And even JC is a little bit like, oof. 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 Uh, but then they play video games and it's all good, you know? I wonder at what point Van, uh, Frank Duke steps in. Because at the bar he steps in and saves journalist lady, but he doesn't do anything for the lady on the bus. Yeah, true. At what point? When he said, she doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> and then their friendship goes in a very different direction and they're enemies. Yeah. Also, this is the first time I've watched this film, I think probably the same for you, since we actually met and spoke to Frank Dukes. And so scenes like that, like the coin in the hand and stuff, really stand out to me as very Dukesian stories. Like the whole film itself I can't watch the way I used to now. I just watch it constantly, almost imagining Frank Dukes telling you this story uh, because it all is very much in line with very Dukesian. his flavour. It's so Dukesian. Yeah, it really, really is mm. in a charming way. <laughs> I'm down. I mean, I'll say it later, but I'll say it here. Like I kind of don't really care if it's true or not. 
because we got this movie out of it. Like, who cares? This movie's great. It's a gift. I'm gl- if he lied, I'm glad he lied because we got this movie. Tristan, there was one thing that wasn't sit- sitting well, uh, I guess a plot a plot and character oversight, in my opinion. Oh, uh, yeah. Van Damme, his date with the reporter. <laughs> so, you know, they've met and she's very clear about what she wants. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, I'm not going to give it to you, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> and so they wake up in the morning. And they're playing this sweet synth harp. Yeah. Um, trying to sort of make it like a romantic thing. Yeah. I mean, he just took advantage of a reporter who was willing to put her body, like use her body to get what she wanted. And he went, okay, but no. <laughs> yeah. And so that is just a bit like sketch. Yeah. And so don't mask it with some sort of fake romance music. And then, by the way, champ. You don't go out and shag random chicks the night in the middle of a, like, four-day... How long is this tournament? Four days? That's rule number days? one. I guess it wasn't in November. Yeah. you got to keep... you got to keep it in keep it in there. Yeah, you need that you fighting can't go spirit. In, yeah, you can't go emptying the tank. Uh, <laughs> like, a mite on the pump mid-kumi? <laughs> mid-kumi! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's taking the sausage dog for a walk to Pound Town mid Kumi. That's not crazy. Mid-Kumi. Not mid Kumi. Post Kumi, sure. Post Kumi, not mid Kumi. <laughs> and then, to make matters worse, she just managed. She she got a gig the next morning yeah, as an yeah. escort. <laughs> as an escort that day, that morning, I assume no time has passed. He's gone. He's put his undies on in his funny way and. Yeah. Gone off to Tawny with an empty load. And she's already there dressed up as someone's call girl. Yeah. And then they're acting like it's romantic. This top secret fight tournament is pretty easy to find for most of the characters in this film. Mm. Yet impossible to find in real life. <laughs> yeah, and that character, I mean, I know why she's there. I get it. It's the 80s. It's a Jean-Claude Van Damme film and there's got to be a chick for him to show his buns to. But... Mm. Could have shown him to Jackson. Yeah, you don't, you don't need her. Like, and nothing against her. Just, you don't need it. It's it's great. Otherwise, let the Jackson Dukes romance be the centerpiece to all of this. It's beautiful. Why is she American? <laughs> She's a journalist, man. She's a hard-hitting journalist that is also an undercover prostitute sometimes. Yeah. Escort, escort. It's a very niche... I mean, this thing got written up in Black Belt magazine. Was she a journalist for Black Belt magazine? Maybe. She's going to, she's going to great lengths to get that story. Well, that's, I mean, that's a huge part of the Frank for Dukes. A niche, for a niche publication. Are they funding this trip? I don't think they're funding international trips to go researching underground tourneys. Well, no, this is the thing because the Black Belt magazine article, which is the article that I guess gave Frank Dukes the credibility back in the day, pre-internet. Correct. You couldn't really Correct. check these things. It was all written just based on him telling stories. So, no, they did not send a babe to the Kumite to report on it. They simply spoke to someone who said they were there named Frank Dukes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, And, and that was a huge part of why this film even got made because even Sheldon was like, this sounds crazy, but I guess it's in Black Belt magazine, so I guess it's legit. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. What, are, what other musings have you got? I've got a few musings here. Uh, musing number three. <laughs> <laughs> musing the third. I wonder, 
I don't know this. Listeners, if you're out there and you fit the criteria, let me know. But you're mostly the same age as us, so I'm not really sure. But I was wondering if adults liked this movie in the 80s or if all the fans of Bloodsport were kids in the 80s and we're all adults now, like is Bloodsport essentially a kid's movie and and it's now just grown up with us and we've carried the torch through pop That's culture. That's really interesting. I um, Well, we do have a couple of friends of the show that have got a couple of years on us. Yeah. So if you're listening, hit us in the DMs and let us know because that's a really interesting question, Tristan. This is what yeah. you do. You ask the – you would have been a great investigative you, journalist. Yeah, and I'm happy to go undercover as an escort. So I've got all the <laughs> – <laughs> uh. um, Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, right, because you speak to anyone about blood sport. And those that usually don't have a blank look on their face are our age and all have the same kind of story that we've told earlier, like, oh, yeah, when I was like 10 years old, you know. I have never heard, not that I speak to many, say, 70-year-olds about it, but, I mean, my parents, for instance, don't know anything about this film. Well, I think it's, my mother does a, now because she listens to the pod, but, you know. Yeah, I think the Gen Xs yeah. would be yes. Any boomers? feel like less so for the like my dad wouldn't have watched my dad would this is not his bag yeah because gen x is still kids in 88 yeah teens max yeah oh really what's what's before gen x because we're on the cusp we're on the cusp boomers is that these things don't seem equal right there it seems like there's a a bunch of generations this close together and then there's just a big catch-all called boomers. yeah like our parents cooler younger cousins (laughs) yeah who are they that's what i had in mind (laughs) We should start calling the yeah, the generation should be named that way. There's your parents, then there's your parents' cooler younger cousin, yeah, and there's you, yeah, and they are the generations. It just makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it we yeah call call it what it is. Cut to the chase. Who's making up these names? Who's making them up? Because they're just making them up from fucking nothing in a lab. I've got a uh, musing number four for you, Greg. Yeah, I was thinking about. I know there's a lot of chat i think a lot of obvious banter around this movie is like i mean what what fighting style is ray jackson um but kick his ass style yeah he almost beat chong lee and i was wondering is it a bit like when you play poker and have no idea what you're doing that the others can't read you is it that kind of situation (laughs) where he's just so confusing to the opponent unreadable, unpredictable because there is no formal training. There's no language, no visual language to his movements that can be interpreted that he's just full of surprises. It could be. It could be. It could be. I mean, he's pretty, I don't know, I probably talked about this in the first one, but he's kind of like a prank, a prank, a Tank Abbott (laughs) prototype. Have you heard of Tank Abbott? Oh, yeah, you did talk about, only since you brought it up, yeah. Tank Abbott was a a fighter in the early years of the UFC whose style was, like I think it was, what did it was called? It was either called Brawler or Street Fighter or something like that. And he was a big burly dude with a massive beard who basically just punched people out. (laughs) That's so good. I don't know how to describe Tank Abbott. He's pretty much like Jackson. Yeah. Big burly American dude. Looks like it could be a biker or a trucker kicking ass. And which came first? Um, Jackson would have, I guess. Yeah, okay. I love to imagine that his origin story is like he just got a lot of bar fights and then some scout saw him and was like, that kid's got talent. That's pretty much it though. These are like people that would, yeah, they would just win lots of street fights and so someone gets hold of that. 
Yeah, and they, away they'd go. You're just good at fighting. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Whereas now, I mean, maybe like any sport really, now unless you've been training since you were nine months old, mm. you've got no In a shot. lab. <laughs> In a lab. Yeah, unless Will Smith's your dad teaching you to play tennis or whatever. Um, hey, music number five. <laughs> yeah. Um, am I up to five? I don't know. I started at three for some reason. We're combined musings, so I think I'd give them one or two. Okay, there you go. How many characters died in this? Because last time I thought it was just the obvious one where Chong Lee gets a little ha. He did the gesture. <laughs> you can't see it. Um, but actually watching it again, I think there's a few more deaths, right? There might be like three or four deaths. On the map? Yeah. Or maybe they're just knockouts. I don't know. It seems like people die. I couldn't quite tell. Uh, there definitely seemed to be, yeah, like some dudes that were very knocked out because they didn't. Yeah. They only did the turnaround and bow thing once. Remember when that guy died? They all sort of they went. Yeah, yeah, and but and that was definitely the most. That was straight up murder because it was the fight was over and he did it. But it looked like some of the other ones. And now that I'm talking about it, I can't remember which ones, but they looked dead like they. It seemed to have the weight of a death, but just yeah. through the through the fight, not like you know, the way the body did. landed. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I just don't know. I just Do you don't know, know. I tell you, I tell you a little side story. Yeah, my sifu, my kung fu instructor. Yeah, used to fight. He fought in something. I remember. I don't think I talked about this in the last app. Oh, he fought in the world full contact kung fu championships. Oh, and he won um, in the mid eighties. Um, in the middleweight division, and that tournament they don't do anymore because someone died. Oh shit! That's a true story. They like like someone died in in the tournament. And I think that's pretty much what wrapped it up. It was they used to have this. It was a world full contact kung fu tournament, and it was fucking brutal apparently. And yeah, he won. Huh. Um, but they wow. stopped it because someone died. Damn. So that's kind of like maybe the real kumite in some ways without the. You know, it was Kung Fu specifically, but yeah. they went pretty hard and someone died. Damn. So Rick Spain may be a little bit more Frank Dukes than Frank Dukes. Yeah, there you same. go. Yeah. Shit. Or a little Almost more. Almost certainly. A little more Bolo Young. He's a bit of both. Yeah, a bit of both. A little column A, a little column B. Bit of, bit of Jackson in there too. Yeah. <laughs> i tell you what though, Greg, let me, uh, give, let me give you one more musing before maybe we, we um, cut to Mr. Dukes himself for a little story time. But mm. one thing I was thinking, and actually this is, this is a good handoff into Frank Dukes' story time because I think you'll see what I mean. Um, I would have loved if this film got sequels along the same trajectory as, say, like A Fast and the Furious, where the first one is pretty small scale, pretty, you know, grounded, uh, but then by... The seventh sequel, you know, they're in space, they're secret agents, yada, 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 which is very much the trajectory of Frank Duke's self-described life. So it would make sense. And and the way this film ends, you know, with uh, reunited with Jackson and he's like, anytime, any place, you know, that's a great way to end the movie. The next movie starts with that call. Yeah. Jackson, it's time. Is it a tawny or? Well, no, I think we then just leap into different genres because, for instance, Double Impact, what if Double Impact was Jackson and Dukes teaming up and maybe Jackson never left Hong Kong and he's gone a little weird and he's, you know, caught up in the underworld there. And so you still have the same storyline, the same tension between Chad and Alex, but this time it's Jackson and Dukes. And, you know, it writes itself. And all of these things could theoretically all be things that happened to Frank Dukes. I love it. 
if you ask if you ask Frank. And this could also be our children's book series. <laughs> yeah. Jackson and Dukes. Um, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Finding Frank Dukes. I like that. It's like Where's Wally? But it's like a scene of the CIA and you have to find Agent Frank mm. Dukes. Then it's a scene of you have to find the Kumite in the Bahamas. Anyway, all right. Enough enough tomfoolery, Greg. Keep going. Um, we spoke to Frank Dukes last year. Uh, we had a grand old chat, lovely fella. Um, he can tell stories, no one knows if they're true. But I'll tell you what, they're very compelling. We had a great time speaking to him. I want to play a clip uh, from that conversation last year where we asked him about the differences between how Kumite was represented in Bloodsport versus Kumite in real life. Mm. Over to you, Tristan and Greg from last year. Your experience with the Kumite went on to inspire Bloodsport, obviously, which is how a couple of kids like us back in the day found out about Frank Dukes and yeah. became <laughs> quite obsessed quite quickly. Yeah. What what was what would you say the main differences are between what we saw in Bloodsport versus the real life Kumite? Well, first of all, the real Bloodsport, the way they show it to you, it's sort of like single elimination. It's yeah. It, 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 that kind of fighting only happens at the end of the Kumite. See, real Kumite yeah. fighting is really about endurance at first. Then you narrow it down to the last 10 or 8 fighters. And then they pair off, like you saw in the first UFC. Okay. And then they pair off, and then yeah. you get paired off and paired off until you finally have your Multiple final belts. fight. Yeah. So yeah. what happens is you'll, you'll fight guys that might be your opponents. You might fight guys that are not in a real Kumite. And you'll do... 60 bouts over a three-day period. Some guys do it in a one-day period. It depends on that promoter and how he's doing it. And whoever has the most points or the most wins, whoever falls in that top eight category, those are the guys who fight it out for the winner. Right. So that's the di- that's the difference in how it's done. And the matches are different too because we're not in a cage. We're on a platform. You just had to drive the guy off the platform. Match was over. A lot of times guys do they would watch and count how they were doing, and sometimes they'd drop two or three matches just because they wanted to preserve themselves. Right. You didn't see guys really punch into the head all that much, like with fists. It was really mainly, you know, open hand strikes, you know, uh, when, because after hitting for so long, your hands will just can only take so much. Yeah, right. So they um, kind of save it up for, the, know, yeah, for when it counts. Yeah. And was, was Chong Lee based on a real person? And Yeah, Chong yeah. Lee was a real guy. Wow. He's a real guy. Was he, he as terrifying he, 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 as, <laughs> as he is in the movie? Oh, more. <laughs> more? More. Oh, geez. The more Chung, the real Chung Lee was uh, towered over me by about almost three inches. Oh, my God. Two to three inches. He was taller than me. Maybe four inches. He was, he, was a, he was tall. He was a tall Korean. He was North Korean from what I understand. All right. Huh. And he was, you know, he, 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 you know, for him, it was do or die, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He had a different kind of motivation. And so you know, he was a champion, of course, yeah. you know, prior, prior to me winning. He'd won it, I don't know how many times, and he actually had killed the person in the ring. That that part is true. Oh, well, he yeah. did. Jeez. Yeah, he was well known for it. Right. And so like the movie, were you a bit of, uh, when you first arrived at the Kumite, were you seen as a bit of an outsider? or Do you think they underestimated you? Uh, they totally understand me. No Westerners had actually made it past the second tier, usually. They never trained for the conditioning. They're always trained more or less like a boxer trains. Right. 
in the sense that they were trained for like, you know, uh, you know, round fighting or, you know, like, mm. uh, you know, single elimination. Yeah. Not where it goes on and on and on and on. But because of Tanaka, he had been the Kumite champion. I was trained that way. So I was ready and prepared for that. Mm. But most people, the, the Caucasians that came, they, they, were, they weren't prepared for that. And they usually pick, you know, it, it's, it's very selective in how they pick people. I was supposed to be cannon fodder to them because yeah. I didn't have any real strong lineage behind me other than the endorsement of Tanaka. Yeah. And that was in the Black Dragons, and that was it. Right. And that's how I ended up getting in there. But uh, I think I was very well underestimated. In fact, they refused to believe I won it the first time. Huh. They made me fight. If you talk to Joe Sinda, who's the uh, VP of Warner Brothers at the time, he was also uh, he was also in attendance. And uh, I had to say, I mean, Joe came up to me. Why are you doing this again? You're gonna how are you can say I got to fight it again, man. They won't believe it. Wow. So I'll just do what I do. And that's what happened. I had to fight it three times before they actually declared me the winner. And they still went into denial. The people, you know, haters come out and talk and they just keep their mouth shut. They wouldn't say a damn thing. So yeah. three different kumites. In my defense. Huh? You fought in three different kumites. Yes. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, they, they refused to accept the first one. Hey, Frank, you, you touched on the conditioning that prepared you. And in the film, there's some there's some... Uh, some amazing sequences and montages of of the training. Yeah, um, very very close to what what I did. Yeah, amazing. I was I was I was fortunate enough to be the choreographer on Bloodsport. I also really wrote it. Michelle Wedish got all the credit. <laughs> yeah, um, he was really more or less a glorified stenographer, to be quite honest. Right. And so he's tried to in years try to say, oh, nothing happened. It isn't real. All this kind of stuff. Because he's trying to sell his own script as a fictional script in his services. But the fact is, the movie, if you look at the contracts, there's no way Bloodsport could be made as a fictional picture. That's it's it's in all the contracts that way. It's reflected in all the contracts that way. Yeah, right. And so, you know, it just amazes me how people get away with that kind of stuff when you've got I mean, you have a studio putting millions of dollars in it. Nobody just said, Oh, we're gonna take his word for it. I mean, I had to talk to a battery of attorneys. That, you know, I had to present fight footage, evidence. I mean, everything you could imagine uh, for them to put those uh, statements on the back of the movie. Otherwise, the company was liable right. to the government to come in and, and basically arrest everybody. Nobody's going to do that. No attorney's certainly going to lose his bar license over that. For what reason? Yeah, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> He's not going <laughs> to exactly. lose his bar card. <laughs> but it just shows you the absurdity that people can can go through and, and make sensational claims just to get attention for themselves. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So if it, the, the more fictional it is, the more Sheldon is it's his it story. His. Yeah, yeah, I can see why that would happen. Yeah. And if you notice, Sheldon always used me in every – I always came back. Yeah. Lionheart. I, was, I worked on that. Double Impact, same thing. Oh, uh, yeah. On Double Impact, you don't even see me. They just say, oh, special yeah. thanks to Frank you know, um, John Claude and me really kind of ran the whole show on on Bloodsport, right? And that's the that's the show that really went. Sheldon really had no involvement, yeah. other than he helped prepare a script, and the script he did was so so it, it diverted from the original story so much from when I I wrote that they brought in Mel Cosby, no Mel Friedman and Chris Cosby. Right. Um, as writers to rewrite it. And I met with them and they put it back on track to what it was. And that was based more on the Kumite. Sheldon came in and he basically um, 
tried to make it more of like a Rambo movie. You know, right. <laughs> it was sort of like it was sort of like I did martial arts, but I was Rambo. You know, that's yeah, right. <laughs> and oddly, you know, Sheldon actually did go on to write a Rambo film. Yeah, right. He wrote <laughs> Rambo three, I think, didn't he? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so funny. you know, I got to give him credit. You yeah. Know, you know, in that regard. Yeah. But when it came to martial arts, you know, he, you know, the guy was clueless. He didn't know anything about. He didn't know what the difference between a front punch to you know reverse punch. You know, yeah. he, he couldn't tell you what the difference was. And Jean Claude was pretty fresh when you guys were starting out on Bloodsport, right? You, you trained him for a few yeah, months. Yeah, he, he, he was very fresh, and I get very upset over sometimes when people say that I say he wasn't a champion, and when we had our court case, right? And that's not what I said. What I said is he wasn't a Kumite champion. Mm. I never said he didn't uh, okay. fight PK. I never said that he didn't do those things. I said when it came down to really the expertise of like what you call an MMA match today, mm. he was clueless. He had nothing to do with that. Right. He, that was totally out of his league, out of his spectrum. That's what I said. Right. And then somehow that's gotten distorted to me saying, oh, he was never a, a kickboxing champion or whatever. But uh, I think he was a champion in in for Europe and his league over there. And there, there's so many different leagues. He was not a champion for the PKA, as far as I know. He's never a professional kickboxing association champion like Don Wilson was. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you guys trained, I think, for three months in the lead up to Bloodsport. And I think yeah, I had to mention before. Yeah, he, that, trained with, he trained with me for three months. Yeah. He came in, it would be him, Shell Kesey, and, and Gladys. Uh, yeah. And they would bring their dog, Buffy. <laughs> and never forget it. <laughs> so I was afraid Buffy was like going to take a bite out of me or something. <laughs> I'm showing him or doing movements. You know? Yeah, yeah. And course. he did great. He did great. He was very studious. He, he was earnest. Uh, John Claude was a different person in those days. I mean, you he was the type of guy that you wanted to see win. Yeah. And that was the secret of of his success, early success. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm drawing too long of a bow here, but would you say that something like the Kumite is really about those different ideas coming together? Um, and- yeah, you know, that's, that's very astute on your part. Um, very, very astute. Really, Kumite was a learning experience. It really... It wasn't about putting butts in seats, yeah. and it wasn't mm-hmm. about really saying, oh, I won it, I'm the greatest. That didn't really make you the greatest in our circles. Even though I won probably all my matches, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the reason I won is because I brought a whole new technology right. to, to martial arts at that time, which I could talk about, um, and, it's a, and it creates reproducible results. It's the reason the U.S. Navy SEALs are using my technology today, and others are using it. But it was a learning experience, and guys had a it was a, it's a laboratory. The Kumite yeah. really was a laboratory. Mm. It was a place where, you, like I said, it was a test of endurance. You went in, and you got to show and try out your movements or your theories, and see if what worked and what didn't work. A lot of guys, you know, they they were great fighters, but they lost because their ideas weren't sound. Yeah, you know, they'd have certain combinations, and they try to employ that combination, and it would leave them wide open. Or they would they would be dominant. Let's say a grapple. Some guys were just grappling heavy in their mm-hmm. training. Other guys were just strike heavy in their training. You had to be balanced really between the two. Uh, and you saw that in the very first UFC match, where guys had never seen grappling in their life before, were just laying. You know, they were they were helpless. Yeah, right. yeah, you know. Yeah. And now we've watched the whole sport what metamorphize. It, you know, it's 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 uh, transitioned into a this harmony between striking and the ground game. Yeah. You know, and right back to harmony, which I talked to you about 
which is what martial arts is, is all about harmony. And you yeah. have to have harmony in your spirit, harmony in the academic side. You have to understand the academics of what's going on as well as the, as the physical. And it's crazy to think as well, like so many of those people that are now in the UFC and the UFC itself is, you know, very much inspired by the Frank Duke story and Bloodsport and that kind of thing. So well, it, it even took my name. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Vic Moore, when he fought me twice, he couldn't beat me and he would call me the ultimate fight champion. Right. <laughs> and, when, and when Art Davies did this event, they contacted me and said, well, we want to hold this event in your honor and we're going to call it the ultimate fighter challenge. Oh, wow off of my name. And that's what they tried to do. And then when I didn't agree to it, they sent a guy who pursued me for about a year and a half till I had to get a restraining order, a guy named Zane Frazier. So we finally ended up in, in, in a match where he cold cocked me from behind um, in the Draca uh, Martial Arts uh, Festival held at Century City Plaza. Oh, you yeah. Know? I mean, it, it, but they took the name from, from my nickname, the ultimate fight champion. And, and if you look at Bloodsport, it was called the ultimate fight contest. Well, the other you one know, that's stuff. interesting, I'm not sure if you're aware of this one, you probably are, but you know, the video game Mortal Kombat, that's, yes. that's based on Bloodsport as well. So that's even a part of your legacy as well is this whole video game franchise. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, It's very true. I did inspire that. In fact, I remember when, it was it, Johnny before they called him Johnny yeah. Cage. It was supposed to be Jean Claude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and they were talking to Jean Claude. I remember that, and they had a falling out. I remember yeah. that, and they were talking about it because of Bloodsport. But yeah, that's very you're very right on the money there. Yeah, because even um, Johnny you know? Cage's outfit was basically Jean Claude's bike shorts, and you know it was it was that yeah. um, exact look basically, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it it was, and that's what they were trying to do is to have Jean Claude and do it that way. Yeah. They, they wanted to do it and call it blood sport, but they wouldn't, the studio wouldn't agree to it. Um, yeah. And then of course I would have been cut in for merchandising points on it. I wish it had done. <laughs> yeah. you know, instead, of, instead of calling it mortal Kombat. That'd still but, be going. Yeah. 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 But then they called it mortal Kombat, and then they, 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 they called it John Claude. And then of course it became Johnny cage. Yeah. And they got away from it, you know, as much as they could like that. Yeah, you know, the same th- same thing kind of happened with Bloodsport two and that whole thing three. They basically the producers tried to of those tried to say oh it never happened and this and that and they tried to fictionalize the stories and I ended up taking them to court and winning. Um, you know, we settled out because it was quite obvious that they had you know breached the contract. Uh, my contract only called for uh, one remake or a sequel. And they ended up doing three or four, which they weren't entitled to. And they all had to be based on my character. And they said no because it wasn't my character and they made up a different name. Therefore, they shouldn't have to, to pay yeah. me. Right. And so that's where a lot of that controversy around me really comes from. The studios not wanting to pay me and trying to say, oh, this is fiction or this, is, this didn't happen to try to get away with, you know, running the franchise without, you know, having any, having to uh, meet its, uh, compensation yeah uh you know and i'd lost out probably 10 million dollars on that deal jeez that, that's that's how, that's what they were able to take for the the sequel right yeah that's what marez was paid i believe uh for it and i didn't see a dime and i should have seen some considerable money on that yeah but like i said the way he got out of it is by trying to say it was a fiction and then everything was a fiction. yeah yeah well, the and thing then is, you had know, Sheldon Lynch not helping, saying, oh, nobody, nobody, you know, they all took my word for it. No, that's not the case. 
Well, the, other, the other thing I was thinking is there's so much, like we've got blood sport, that's awesome, that covers kind of the, the your Kumite story, but there's so much that's happened in your life. Like I would love to see the CIA mm-hmm. years as a, as a movie. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> Has that ever come up as an opportunity that you, you would look at? I'd love to do it. I mean, I, I'm surprised that the producer hasn't jumped on it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Or Hollywood hasn't jumped on it. I mean, there's a built-in audience there. Exactly. Yeah. you got us right here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so maybe start talking to some producers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll do something. <laughs> we won't speak to Sheldon. Yeah. We won't speak to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, i got a question. Um, the Speaking of strikes from Bloodsport and choreography, the, uh, the sumo... <laughs> Nut punch. Fact or fiction? No, it's fact. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> wow. Fact. That's incredible. Fact. Well, that's another yeah, one that went in into the old, in yeah. the old, Well, it was actually it was a bladder punch I pulled off. Ah. And it wasn't a hit to the ball. So yeah, it, okay. You know, it was, it, it's a bladder punch. When a guy gets over you, you, you can hit the bladder in a certain way at that angle and go right in up against And that's just, it's devastating. That sounds unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. <I've>, yeah. <laughs> when you fight the Kumite, we all had a steel cup. Right. Yeah, okay, so yeah. It didn't, it didn't pay to hit there. Yeah, right. <laughs> steel cup. <laughs> that's a, okay. that's a good, dis- so, good detraction. I mean, that's kind of, kind of how it was. It was basically, it was the boxing, you know, the pointers you wear in boxing, the yeah. protective gear? Yeah. We would wear that a lot of times, a version of that. Sure. Kind of a cut underneath our, our uniforms. Sure. That, that's all you were allowed. You were allowed a mouthpiece and you were allowed uh, uh, groin protection. That was it. Right. Some guys were allowed in different kumites. You were allowed to take a sponge and cut up the sponge, and then you could put the sponge over your knuckles. You could tape. You could tape the sponge over it. Mm. That was it. That was the old days. Yeah. Right. You know. <laughs> Most of the time, nobody did that. We just, we just, we just went in and did it. Yeah. You know. Oh. So, and I remember guys. They conditioned their 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 knuckles, and you'd see, you know inch almost i mean literally an inch to half an inch of callus on the yeah. knuckles jeez oh man no <laughs> so that was the old school so, that yeah. is old school absolutely yeah it was, it was great times it was great times and uh yeah these, these different medals and of course the last thing not least is the infamous oh, wow. trophy. that's it wow. which by the way I, I want to tell you the story behind that you guys got the time for that. Yeah, absolutely. Make a long story short, when you fight in the Kumite, essentially you you have to get sell back the sword. That's how you get paid. Right. So, oh, okay. you know, yeah. it's yeah. technically amateur bout, but it isn't. Yeah. And so the guy, the Black Dragons, knowing that I was going to have to sell back my sword, they, and knowing I would win, I'd won it, they basically went out and they created this trophy for me. Oh, okay. And they created it and on it says uh, City Shalchis Fortius, which is the Olympics uh, motto, you know, swifter, higher, stronger. They had international, uh, uh, what do you call it, Olympic committee on it. And I go, why did you guys do that? Well, there's, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. He says, yeah, we know. This <laughs> <laughs> isn't exactly an official award. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's given to us by you. It's our event. We gave it to you. Yeah. Just to always remember to remember it by not, and because we want you to do an article for Black Up Magazine one right. day, you yeah. know, when we come out and we want to go public. Yeah, so we sure. want you to have something. Yeah. And yeah. so that's how that came about. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's you know? cool. 
And so, but that's, that's, it was more of a goof. It was yeah. given to me as a goof, not as the actual war itself. The actual war, like in the movie, was a sword. Yeah, yeah right. Sure. Cool. All right. Well, we might, we might wrap it up there. Um, thanks so well, much for the time. It's been absolutely. an absolute delight chatting with you. Very, very fortunate to have, um, to have had this experience with you, Frank. So thanks for being so generous with your time. It's my pleasure. Please give my best to Michael Chavello. Will Great do. gentleman. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Done, I don't think anybody's done more for MMA than this guy. Yeah. 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 He's incredible. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> Take care. See ya. Take care. That last bit on the trophy there, Greg. Because he did show us that trophy. That was a video call when he gave us a little tour of his, his little trophy cabinet. Uh, it's interesting because Sheldon talks about some of that stuff too later on. But um, I, I have heard that being used to disprove Frank Dukes' stories. But the way he talked about it in that clip, he says, you know, it's not the it's not an official trophy from the Kumite, of course. They don't have trophies. You get a sword, but then you have to sell the sword back and that's your winnings but his black dragon mates bought him a trophy as a gesture, kind of tongue-in-cheek or whatever. Was that the little crown hat we saw? I think so, yeah. Keep going. Yeah, so I don't know, man. Either he's a, a – I mean, I don't want to get into, like, is it true, is it not true, because we could spin our wheels for hours on that. But he's very compelling and he's just so uh, – I don't know how you could lie just that consistently and not lose yourself in a trap. Well, I mean, he could argue he has. I think one thing's for certain, true or false, he's taken it to his grave. Yeah, true. And actually, for what it's worth, you know, we spoke to Frank for like an hour and at one point last year I was, I've lost all the files now, I can't do it. But at one point last year I was playing around with content from that interview and cutting it into a video and trying to like find some of the things he was talking about. And a lot of it was true. It just... Specifically what I'm referring to is a lot of his early life stuff and he talked about seeing Vic Moore fight Bruce Lee and how actually he was better than Bruce Lee. I looked up that stuff on YouTube and there is stuff out there like actual footage that whether or not he's better than Bruce Lee, it did marry up with how he described it. The Black Dragons were a thing. They didn't quite look as scary as I thought they would. No offence to Black Dragons, but some of the names he mentioned, I looked those people up and, like, they would put ads in comic books to become a member. Like, it seemed a little... That was like that was like putting an ad in social media back in the day, though. That's a good point, actually, yeah, getting the youth, getting the youth. But I think with him, again, I have respect for the guy. He, he was respectful, gave us time, so I don't want to shit on him. But I... As far as truth and lies, I feel like half of what he says is true and you just don't know which half. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of sense I get. Mm. Are, you, are you a believer? Uh, I'm a believer in blood sport. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Are you a believer in um, the bladder punch and not a nut punch? <laughs> yeah, I guess, but, but I guess then it's, it's not an uppercut. You know, uppercut to the bladder, that feels an unusual shot. I guess it'd be a, like a rip, which is like a half hook, half uppercut. I guess it's like a body uh, rip. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he does it, and that is basically the Johnny Cage move as well. Which that's right. Again, is pretty truth or lie. This story made this movie, without which we wouldn't have Mortal Kombat, which is kind of fucking crazy too. Mm. So significant legacy from this man, whether or not it even happened. 
Yeah, it's a move at the end of the day, so I tend to suspend belief regardless. Yeah. Well, with that, why don't why don't we hear from Sheldon on his experiences mm, yeah. uh, in in untangling <laughs> the Duke's web of stories? Mm. Um, I spoke to I spoke to Sheldon for about an hour. I've just cut together um, different bits and pieces of him talking about Frank and um, and his point of view on some of those pieces. Over to you, Tristan and Sheldon. Anyways, Frank uh, was involved with me on that film. And um, uh, during the making of the film and before the making of the film, he was telling me about all of his exploits. Okay. He, uh, <laughs> uh, and he, he's, um, he's very contentious about this. Yeah. But he claimed that he was awarded a Medal of Honor. And right. he has a photograph of himself. I could uh, send you the, you, you've probably seen it, it was in, a, in a book called Stolen Valor. He's oh, yeah. got all these medals on his chest, none of which he earned because he was never in a war zone. He uh, was in the Marine Corps Reserves for a few months as a wireman stringing con wire between uh, phone poles. That's all he did. And um, then he, uh, he like, apparently he was painting a truck and fell off the truck and injured himself. So now he claims to be an injured war veteran. Okay. <laughs> um, Frank's just full of all kinds of crazy stories, but no, he never was awarded a medal of honor. However, he showed it to me. He showed me his medal of honor. Here it is. It's my medal of honor. <laughs> so um, that's why the story took place in Hong Kong, because according to Frank, the actual tournament took place in the Bahamas. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, people who've, People have been interested in this story and I wanted to check out whether or not Frank was full of shit and whether or not this tournament actually happened. So they contacted authorities in the Bahamas who said, no, this never took place. Yeah. You could never have had a tournament like this in the Bahamas. We would have known about it. So, no, it didn't take place. So basically, <laughs> this this Kumite did not take place. OK, it was all Frank's imagination. And, you know, pretty he's got a pretty good imagination. Yeah, like I said. Um, you know, it's called the, um, this is called the Walter Mitty syndrome. Okay? <laughs> yes. well, you know what? It, it worked out pretty good for him because he's really made a career out of blood sport. Yeah. Out of the fact that we actually used his real name in blood sport, Frank Dukes. And there were all these statistics at the end, uh, that he w- was claiming were real. Yeah. And uh, other martial artists have examined these statistics and they said, no, this is impossible. <laughs> You do not knock out 52 guys in a row, okay? And yeah. wait, uh, how do they know that your your kick was, uh, you know, like 200 miles an hour? Yeah. Well, Frank would say, well, they had cameras. They had like, you know, like six cameras surrounding me. No, they didn't. Nobody <laughs> nobody recorded any of this It was a stuff. secret, yeah. <laughs> he just made up these numbers. And the guys at Canon, they really didn't give a shit whether or not the story was true. Yeah, the fact good that story is a good story. It's just, it's good advertising. Mm. Okay. It's a good, it's a good sales pitch. You know, we got this, this guy who won this martial arts contest um, and it's validated by black belt magazine and based on a true story, right on the poster based yeah. on a story. Uh, and that really helped quite a bit, but it, it pretty much um, uh, elevated Frank into this position where people thought that, yeah, he's the greatest martial artist in the world. And of course, He's never tried to deny that. Mm. In fact, he says, yeah, it's all true. He's still to this very day 
despite all this, these investigations into it that prove it's, it's false. And here, here's the screenwriter of Bloodsport telling you, yeah, it's all <laughs> bullshit. Okay, but still. So basically, he'll, 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 anybody who disagrees with him is a liar, is, uh, is, yeah. is out is out for their own uh, their own sake, and uh, uh, they're they're trying to put him down. But uh, uh, no, yeah. he never did any of this shit, and wow. he never he never participated in any um, martial arts competitions. Uh, there's no record of him really? participating in any, not anything. Not, okay, forget about the Kumite. Yeah, there's plenty of other fights. Okay, like a a guy like Don Wilson has been in numerous competitions you know kickboxing competition and there's a record of them there's video uh so yeah don wilson's really done this stuff chuck norris really really participated mm. there's no record of frank ever participating in any competition and he's posted video of some other guy that looks kind of like him uh and oh, said, no hey, way. this is me um uh, this is me in, in, in at the kumite this is the lost kumite footage uh, i've seen that yeah yeah <laughs> But it's not, it's in like a high school gym. Yeah. Advertisements on the wall, <laughs> Fuji film. Okay. No, it's not the secret underground uh, Kumite. All right. So, uh, um, anyways, that's, that's, that's the, the true story here is yeah. that it's all, it's all made up, but it's a good, it's a fun movie. And um, it's, uh, it's great to be able to suspend your disbelief. And yeah. buy into it for like, uh, you know, for an hour and a half. Just like, um, you know, it, it, when you're a kid, uh, you pretty much suspend disbelief when um, they tell you Santa Claus is coming. He's going to come down the chimney with a bunch of toys. <laughs> exactly. People want to believe that the, they don't want to believe that they were deceived. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one to accept. Yeah. You yeah. know, it took me a little while to accept it, too. Like when I, once I realized well, this is all bullshit. All the stuff he's been telling us, it's not true. At, at um, what point did you realize? Was it before you started writing the script or in the middle no, of it? Or you No, know, it, it, it was after. It was right. after and, um, after the movie came out and then I was hearing, <laughs> started hearing some, and, and you know, the movie came out, this is, you know, again, this is like mid eighties. Yeah. There still was no internet at the time. Yeah. So there was really no way to communicate with people about this. Although, the L.A. Times did an investigation uh, just like days after the movie came out. Some reporter at the L.A. Times was, was just wondering, this sounds like a crazy story. This can't be true. And he looked into it. And sure enough, the story was bullshit. He actually <laughs> did contact me. He asked me about it, too. And I told him, quite honestly, well, we were pretty much taking Frank's word for it. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a bullshitter myself. I, I don't go making up stories and telling lies to people, you know, and I just can't, I just could not believe that somebody could so blatantly make up stories like this and tell them to people and convince people. And now look, I got convinced that, that he, he was a real martial artist. I, I was in the Marine Corps myself and he convinced me that he was uh, uh, not just a, a wireman, but he was in Vietnam and he was a real uh, combat Marine and won a number of these medals. I just didn't believe that somebody would have uh, that much chutzpah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's really takes some chutzpah. They take a photograph of yourself in a Marine Corps uniform with a chest full of uh, medals 
And one of them being the Medal of Honor. He's very compelling in the way he talks about it too. Like he says it with such certainty, quite friendly. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you he, eat it all up and then you have the, you have the conversation and after you're like, wait, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 So um, uh, anyways, uh, so he, look, I'll admit it. He pulled the wool over my eyes. Okay. Yeah. He pulled the wool over the eyes of a lot of people. Van Damme <clears throat> was not convinced from the beginning. Okay. Um, when I first met Van Damme, I met him after the movie had been filmed. Uh, you know, we talked on the phone when he was in Hong Kong and he came back, uh, he came to my, my apartment. We got to be good friends. Um, and he said, look, you know, the story about Frank and the Kumite is all bullshit, right? Because <laughs> Claude was a real yeah. martial artist. All right. He really did compete in Belgium and in, in like real, you know, full contact uh, uh, fighting. Um, and so he didn't buy the story, but he didn't care because, hey, it, look, it's a good movie for me. I'm the, I'm, I'm going to be the, the star of this movie. Mm. Um, so, uh, I'm not going to say it's bullshit. All right. Let's, you know, let's, let's go for it. Let's say it's the real deal and we'll deal with the fallout afterwards. Was there ever any temptation to use other Frank Duke stories for, for other movies? So like the CIA stories or the, the pirates with the orphans, like, were there any? No, no, yeah. never did. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I pretty much had enough of Frank Dukes, um, uh, uh, by that time. Uh, yeah, we were in, and actually, but if Frank wanted some of those stories turned into films, he should have sat his ass down and wrote them up yeah. as screenplays, but he didn't. He never did. Right. You know, Bloodsport, we talked about, well, we should write this up as a screenplay. We didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. So I got hired by Mark DeSalle, got all the paperwork, got everything. And, and Frank wants to muscle in and steal some of the uh, residuals from that film. But Frank, he didn't do any writing. Yeah. You know, you, you're a writer when you actually sit down at a typewriter or a computer or just a, you know, pencil <laughs> yeah. and paper and you actually write. You actually write something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and he never did that. Um, if anything, he should have he should have written some more of these stories down, but he never did. And then Frank wrote a book called um, The Secret Man. And within a few days of this book coming out, they started getting, uh, uh, people started getting in touch with them who were actually mentioned in the book. Hmm. You know, like General Norman Schwarzkopf is mentioned in the book. And, he basically told Judith Regan, I never met this guy, Frank Dukes. Frank Dukes didn't do any of this stuff. Wow. There was John Singlub, who was a general in charge of uh, like special operations in Vietnam. And Frank was talking about John Singlub, like, hey, he was my buddy. And John Singlub had never met Frank Dukes. Uh, and John Singlub actually threatened to sue them if they didn't withdraw this book from bookstores. And that's what happened. They actually. Oh, wow, they did. Yeah, they withdrew the book. Uh, I was fortunate in that I was I was in an airport bookstore when the book first came out, and I saw it there, and then I picked up a copy. Afterwards, you couldn't find a copy because Judith Regan pulled all of them. And uh, on the cover of the book, it says um, um, he was the CIA's finest covert operative. That's the blurb on the book. That's right. And, and then afterwards, once... Once the stories came out about Frank being full of shit, and he was he was uh, saying that uh, 
He never said that. He never gave them permission to say that. It was all the editors were just trying to sell more books. But um, he claimed that uh, that he never said that. Right. But the book, if you read the book, it's written by him, okay? And he's talking <laughs> about being, being recruited for the CIA, yeah. by the head of the CIA, in a men's restroom. Um, he's at a side-by-side urinal with, um, um, I'm forgetting the guy, oh, William, William Casey, who was the head of the CIA at the time. Right. Frank is at a side-by-side urinal with William Casey. And William Casey says, uh, um, hey, Frank Dukes, we've heard a lot about you. How'd you like to be a CIA agent? You know, something along the line. At a urinal, yeah. <laughs> at a side-by-side urinal, okay. Anyways, um, yeah. William Casey was dead by the time the book came out, but a lot of other people. Yeah. The CIA is famous for um, neither confirming nor denying anything that you say about them. Right. In this case, they had to make it. They said, (laughs) what he's saying about the CIA is so absurd that we actually have to come out and and make a statement and say that this is all bullshit. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty damn amazing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, Very strong point of view there from Sheldon. Um, (laughs) It's hard not to laugh. Like, it's just, no. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He, he's not like angry. He's just like he's pretty. He's having fun with it. He's just like, but like when I asked him about any other Frank Duke's stories for other movies, it is just like nah. You could tell it. Yeah, he just had enough. Yeah, he might just be like high a high maintenance friend. That's just like a lot to deal with if you're trying to make a movie together or something. Perhaps definitely. And I think part of that was that I it, it didn't I didn't get the sense that Sheldon felt he had much of a work ethic. Because he was like, Frank is a good writer, but he didn't write anything. But he then you asked Frank anything. and he said, Frank said, it wasn't in that clip we played before, but in the longer interview, Frank said he wrote um, Double Impact and um, Lionheart as well. It's so true. if you ask him, he says he did write. I did write it. And Bloodsport. He, he called Sheldon a glorified stenographer on Bloodsport. Mm. <laughs> that was a great call. Well, you know what? There's only one way to settle it. In the ring? At the Kumite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the other interesting thing he said, that Frank Dukes has no record of participating in any competition. Yeah, that Is was that true? I mean, I haven't fact-checked any of that either. So he's The, the, ref, the guys he referenced, I mean, yeah, good examples. We all know that Don Wilson had a, a great kickboxing career. Mm. Chuck Norris competed, um, Van Damme somewhat, but the other guys, you know, were like heavy... Martial artists turn, turned actors. Yeah. I think that's the reason I really do have, I mean, he also touches on some really interesting just points of, you know, people want to believe. They don't want to feel like they've been taken for a ride or whatever. But so maybe I'm just doing that. But I don't know. There's something about like the world of martial arts, especially back in the day. I don't know how you could fake knowing all that stuff. I feel like there must be some truth to some of it because he's able to talk about martial arts and refer to things that happened in, in a way that is true enough. Like I feel like you'd get caught out. If I tried to pretend, if I was pretending to be a champion Kumite fighter, you'd find out in about eight seconds. Yeah. P- probably because you've already punched me and I'm on the ground. But also just I wouldn't be able to back it up with any talk. So if he's lying, man. He's talented. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
He's a real Frank Abagnale of the, the martial arts scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would that be clip? a good movie. Yeah, well, Sheldon says it in another clip. We'll put it in the full interview that we'll release later. But he says, you know, it's it's like um, Tom Clancy. Yeah, pretending he's, he's great, Jack Ryan. He's, <laughs> pretending he's Jack Ryan. It's like, no, just have the... <laughs> oh, hey, I mean, we've talked a lot about Frank Dukes. We've done a lot of Sheldon stuff, but... This is a John Claude Van Damme film, Crick. I feel like we should we've done our we've done our top three and bottom three overall movies we've done, but we need to also hit our top three JCVD joints, right? We do. We've done quite a few now. We're obviously we've done the earlier years and the mid years. Um, obviously, there's there's a few things we have to do. I think we need to go back respectfully and do no retreat, no surrender, and cyborg properly, and cyborg properly. So I think they're our next two that we'll do. Yeah. And, look, I'll be the first to admit, I'll put my hand up, I probably overlooked No Retreat, No Surrender, given he doesn't really have a yeah. speaking part, but he does, he's in multiple scenes. I referred to it as a cameo, but it's hard, not, probably not a cameo because he wasn't really famous then. Yeah. He's just a, he's the main bad guy, but he, he's kind of like a henchman, doesn't talk. So, look. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a good look, though. Yeah. And it was a big movie in my childhood, so it was, it was, uh, Foolish of us to skip it. Yeah. So we'll put our hands up and say, hey. Yeah. We're sorry. And actually on that note, you touched on something there, Greg. Yeah. So initially we were doing a John claude Van Damme film every 10 episodes. We've fallen off recently partly because we've been going deep on this miniseries approach, which has been good, and we haven't quite figured out how to still make the JCVD thing work. And I guess – lack of motivation to solve that based on where we've landed in the filmography because we do it in, in chronological order and we're in the director video stage. So, you know, but we'll get it back and we're going to start with those ones we missed. Keep going. Okay. Let's go top three JCVD. And we're excluding Bloodsport because Bloodsport. obviously. And we're giving, yeah, because we will just give out, that means we get four. That would just be a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'll go reverse order. Uh, you know what they say, Greg? Uh, in this life of ours, is just never enough time. Oh, interesting. Time cop made Yeah, time cop, man. Time, time cop. cop made it in. Yeah, number three. There's never enough time. Never enough for what? To satisfy a woman. Then you never want to miss an opportunity. Are you busy? Damn. Uh, rationale? Uh, it's time travel, mullet. I don't know. Uh, I think box um, office. That's part of it. I think part of it is definitely like the just the fact that I do genuinely love the man, and I feel like it's peak in many ways. Box office meets quality. It's probably that apex. I think I think Street Fighter made more money, but that movie's kind of trash. I still enjoy it, but Time Cop is like a pretty damn good movie, and uh, and I love sci-fi, of course. So yeah, it just kind of works for me, and um, I think I'd only seen it once before, so it was a real delight to indulge in. Yeah, nice. What about you? What's your number three? Um, it was a it was a very tough one. Um, my number three. This is hard because I've got six written down here. Mm. Number three, I will say, double impact. Silk underwear. <laughs> Keep going. More surprises. Oh, yeah, big surprise, huge surprise. Uh. 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 
Yeah. Surprisingly, that's not in my top three. It was for a while, and then I kept shifting things around. And it, it was a big. It was a eventually. big movie in my childhood. It's based on a novella. You've got two Van Dams. You've got the return of that's Bolo true. Jung. I mean, it's set in Hong Kong. Keep going. You've got Juliet Lewis's dad. Like, Keep going. you know, what else do you want? Wait, is that Juliet Lewis's dad? Isn't it? I can't remember. Uncle Frankie. But that's not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, Wow. Because of my karate and my strong legs, I can do the splits. No problem. <laughs> Back and forth. No problem. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's where we got this button as well. Yeah, it's, keep going. it's this. It gave us the keep going button. Keep going. That's true. It's the name of our podcast. And it's the name <laughs> of our podcast. And its, it's song is our intro song. So, so it's got to be on one of our lists. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's directed by the great Sheldon Lettich as well. So it's part exactly. of that, you know, very important JC Lettich collab yeah. that we love, just like Bloodsport. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Jeffrey Lewis. I like it. Is, is Juliet Lewis's so dad. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I can see that too. Yeah. I can see that. He's a ledge. Yeah. He's a proper ledge. Uh, yeah. RIP. He died about seven years ago, actually, but he's a massive ledge. So. Yeah, I've given you my reasons. That's why that's three. What's your number two? Yeah, fair enough. Number two, I went for one of the two, uh, you know, JC had a very short period there where he was doing something a little different. I think it kind of represented his transition from martial artsman to actionman to lat pack mm-hmm. man. Yes, yes. I've chosen one of the denim westerns here, Greg. Yeah, good. Hard target. I'm glad, yeah. You having fun? Why don't you do yourself a favor, boy? I think the favor gonna be done for you. (laughs) I said get lost. Now take your big stick and your boyfriend and find the best to catch. Yeah, and you know, it's a funny one because I don't think I praised it that much at the time, but it's one of those ones that has grown on me even more since we did it. Yeah. Like I now look back at that thinking that's pretty perfect. I I agree. Like everything from, uh, you know, wardrobe and then hair. Yeah. To just the just everything about it, New Orleans. So we we get a good contextualization of his accent, and you know it's based on a most dangerous game. That I mean, a lot of movies are, but you know, and then and then you've got bloody Lance Henriksen. You've got Wilford Brimley yeah. riding a horse out of an explosion yeah. with a bow and arrow. Like, um, the the oldest forty five year old of all time. <laughs> I don't know if he was forty five, but he was definitely younger yeah. than um, Paul Rudd. And it's John Yu. It's John Woo. And it's John Woo. And uh, yeah, exactly. So that's like a huge thing that I've learned about JC in doing these pods is he has starred in the debut films of a lot of international directors, uh, sorry, debut Hollywood films of international directors Correct. like John Woo, like like uh, Roland Emmerich, um, like Chewie Hark, and I think there's a, one or two more. Uh, and these these guys are no joke, man. And it's produced by Sam Raimi as well who was involved. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's definitely a worthy uh, – I had it on my short list. 
along with Universal <laughs> Soldier. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I gave myself away a bit too much there for my number two. <laughs> number two, um, Lionheart, a.k.a. Wrong bet. Yeah. Lionheart, it don't eat the way this shit did me. Don't let it do you, man. Stay the fuck down. Come on, man. We don't need the money, man. I got us a deal. I told you, 50-50 all the way down the line. Well, I'm going to split it with you, man. 50-50 all the way, man. Just like I said I would. Look, it's on him, man. The whole bat's on a tillum. Wrong bat. And I suspect that might be somewhere in your list, but so I won't say too much about it. Just just nod and wink if if I should keep light on detail there. <laughs> no, you just keep going because I'll just yes and you okay. because yes, yeah, you, you guessed right. Um, yeah, Lionheart has uh, it's got a lot more heart. It really does than one would expect. Yeah, it's got some fun fight sequences. The fighting probably is pretty second fiddle in that story, which is interesting. Mm. But it's got like cool. Street Fighter style scenarios for the fights. You've got the Scottish guy with in the car park, exactly. and the empty pool, and with R and B man, and you know there's a bit going on there. Um, so yeah, I just enjoyed it. Brian Thompson, Brian Thompson, Harrison Page was that the guy? His yeah, mate? he was um, awesome. He was the heart and soul of that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was to your point, ironically. More of a Street Fighter movie than Street Fighter. Like that is what a Street Fighter movie should be, in mm, my opinion. Mm. It and it had heart. It had this heart. movie, I think it was the first time we saw the the potential in the acting chops of uh, old JC there. So sadness and in his eyes. The part that keeps me going, man, because and I mean he's he's turned in some good performances for sure. But I think he is one of the most underrated lap pack actors there mm. are. And this movie is a good. I mean. It's not an Oscar-winning performance, but I just mean you're starting to see. Yeah. You can see. There's there's, there's the feels there. He's got the – it's in there. Yeah. What a great fucking movie. Another Sheldon Lettich. Man, mm. Bloodsport, Lionheart, Double Impact, that's not a bad little box set there with Mr. Sheldon oh, and big uh, time. Mr. Van Damme. Big time. Oh, also the little girl in that, by the way, is also the person that plays the little girl in Last of Us, the video game. Just so you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's an adult now, but she still plays a little. Yeah, bit. how does that work? She does the voice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but it's all it's all motion capture and stuff now, so it is like but she's an like adult making Avatar. Yeah, well, they just uh, shrink them down or whatever. You know, you, <laughs> okay. You make a PowerPoint presentation. You grab the corner. Oh there, yeah, you just yeah, drag yeah, it yeah. down. Yeah, make sure yeah, you get yeah, the corner yeah. though, otherwise. So, yeah, exactly. Don't distort, don't distort it. Make sure you hold down shift. Yeah, come on, guys. There you go. One on one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was my number one. What, what about oh, you? Wait, what was your number two? Our target. Oh yeah, we went in different orders. Oh this gosh, time I yes. <laughs> Man, I, my brain is really struggling to do what it needs to at the moment. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. It's Thursday. It's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> it's Thursday. It's Thursday here. there. I'm in your time zone, obviously. Obviously, it ain't Monday anywhere. No, that's just fact. No, um, in the past, why it's so bad in the case of the Mondays. Um, yeah, my number one. So that was your number one, Lionheart. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hundred percent. Um, so you don't have Kickboxer in there. No. Interesting. I like Kickboxer, but it, yeah. I've gone number one, Kickboxer. I'll find him. I don't need your help. The only way you'll find him is inside the ring, and you are not good enough! No matter where, 
get him. You don't understand. You go after him outside the ring and we're dead, all of us. He's too valuable to them. The only way is inside the ring. And like I said, you ain't good enough. We'll see. Okay? We'll see. I kind of felt like I had to choose between those two. And, yeah, for me, Lionheart is, is the one for me. But, yeah, yeah no, that's I, cool. I don't blame you for Kickboxer. Kickboxer is my number one for – it's just proper old school Van Damme. Yeah. Still very raw. I don't know. I think it's got great – it's just old school, you know. It's got the great montages. Uh, such a great racist Good villain. Michael Kissy playing, oh, yeah. playing a Thai guy. Well, it is – it really did cement the old plot synopsis, the universal plot synopsis oh, that we wrote for every Jean-Claude Van Damme absolutely. movie. That is the the template, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, mate, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of reasons um, that I don't need yeah. to go into here. But you know, it's dancing. It might be the most Van Damme movie. Like it just checks all the boxes in what you yeah. need in a Van Damme movie. Yeah. You've got the dancing. you got the kicking. Kicking. you got the loincloth. you got the buns. you got the... What else you got there? Splits? Meling. Yeah. The, oh, the soundtrack. The Paul Herzog soundtrack is fire. Oh, yeah. If you haven't listened to it, and I think I plugged it a fair bit in the past, but if you, uh, if you, you, you need some background music for your, for your work or your studies um, and, you know, you want oh, the instrumentals or you kickboxing, <laughs> good point. <laughs> good point for your, for your training montages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go check out <laughs> Paul Herzog's kickboxer soundtrack got the eagles and other noises <laughs> and it's just a, it's a vibe and it's it holds up and actually on that greg i feel like we've obviously done a lot more jc movies now than when we first watched this yeah. well i certainly there were movies i hadn't seen like lionheart when we first did bloodsport four years ago and i've got to say i was reflecting on lat pack um a term we invented the lat pack is in latissimus dorsey the bodybuilders, the big muscle-bound heroes of the 80s and 90s and and where JC fits in that. And I guess for a while there I was thinking maybe he's tier two under an Arnold and a Sly. But I put him right up there, tier one now. You know what? I think that they are the – Is he on Rushmore? Yeah, they're the trinity. I don't know if there's a fourth one, but Stallone, Arnold and JC are the three for me. And I know it's easy to kind of dismiss JC a little bit just in terms of some of the movies he's made, but they've all made trash movies. Stallone's high, Stallone and Arnold's highs have been higher for sure. Mm. Their mains have been, their streams have been mainer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning is a fucking banger. Yeah, again, to your point, not really a mainstream high, but it is like a well-received, weird, arty film. The, the film JCVD itself, which we haven't gotten to yet on the pod because it's like a mid-2000s-y thing, I think. That's a well-loved movie. like, And the, the guy can act, man. Like Arnold, this is the way I kind of look at it now. In terms of this trinity of lap pack heroes, Arnold is like this charismatic, almost cartoonish <laughs> behemoth of a human. And Stallone is kind of the everyman, the more kind of natural dialogue delivery kind of guy. Still lap, all, all lap pack, of course. And JCVD is like the heart and soul man. I think I've said this before, but even in this film, it's his acting is not great yet, but it's not bad. In the eyes, man, he's got the 
no. When he says no, you see it in the eyes, man. Oh, yeah. You really do. Aside from the accent, he could have done Stallone's role in Copland, I reckon. Like, I think he's got that kind of thing in him. Especially now, older, older JC could pull that off, I reckon. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and I think all three of those guys fairly legitimately brought this external physical, uh, they're all basically athletes, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Versus, you know, just getting jacked for one role or whatever. These guys yeah. lived a lifestyle that uh-huh. they brought to Hollywood. They were gas station ready. They were good to go. Yeah. Like Bruce Willis didn't do that. Uh, and I'm not shooting no, on Bruce he, Willis. He brought, but no, no, he Steven just brought Seagal a different didn't do that. Yeah. dimension to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, in terms of like classic lap pack, I feel like it is those three guys. I don't know if there are others I'm probably missing. But for me, <laughs> I think they're my guys. Well, the thing is, I, I think it's a good summary. The only problem is that there are four faces on Mount, Mount Rushmore. That's true. And it does. You're right, though. Adding anyone, because they're sort of with it, contained within a... They are a unit. Yeah. yeah. Any, any other one, I feel like you're going down a tier. Not a tier, that sounds... Because obviously Bruce Willis is a great actor and everything, so he's not down a tier, but just in terms of lap pack... Core, I guess core. Well, yeah, exactly, because anywhere you go, you're sort of opening, like Jackie Chan would be, but then you're mm. going, oh, well, that's. It's a subgenre almost, yeah. Yeah. Um, or you go Chuck Norris and you go, oh, maybe that's, you're going a generational yeah. change a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and for a while there I might have not had JC up there for the same reason, thinking, oh, I'm more of a martial arts guy. But no, now that we've done probably 20 JC movies is pretty well rounded, man. It started started with martial arts, of course, but then it went pretty mainstream lap back. Mm. Um, so yeah, respect, JC. Respect. And his acting has evolved. The acting in this movie is awful. Awful. I actually put him on par with the kid. <laughs> the kid, man, I think that's actually the music number six or seven. That was the childhood stuff is the only part in this movie that I find genuinely pretty hard to watch. <laughs> I love it. Like I I watched about half of this movie last week and then I ran out of time and then I was watching it last night and I was like, I'll start from the beginning again, you know, because it's Bloodsport. And then I was like, eh, I'll just fast forward the the kid stuff because I don't like it. <laughs> I like it as part of the package, but I don't enjoy watching yeah, that part. It's so my least enjoyable part. It's, I, yeah, me too. Yeah. Hey, do you know what? We haven't probably uh, – did we give throw much love to Bolo in the first episode? No, well, I can't remember because I was thinking about this last night when I'm watching it. He is maybe the best acting in the movie or at least – I don't know if it's – to call it acting, I, no, that sounds wrong. I mean whether it is literally the acting that's doing it but his presence or whatever is powerful, man. Yeah, he has such an aura – yeah, he is fucking terrifying. Just when he's he's more terrifying, I think, when he's sitting in the stand watching yeah. the others fight. He has such gravitas with that. Like you, you know, he's not doing much acting wise in those moments, but it is powerful stuff, man. <laughs> he looks like a gangster. Like he looks like a yeah, actual gangster. Yeah, and then he he's so still in those moments, mm. but then acts so erratic in others. Like it is a formula for just a terrifying villain, unpredictable, mm. no, just evil. He's just fucking evil, man. <laughs> but if he's North Korean, why do they give him a South Korean headband? 
Yeah. It looked, I mean, it looked cool. It looked cool. It did look cool. But, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Do you know what? I really like the name Bolo. Mm. I thought I might – I'm going to get a dog at some point. Bolo would be a short list on that. That's pretty good. Also Mighty Boosh, Bolo. Exactly. It's a double yeah. nod. Like It's Bruce. a Boosh nod. And the bo- and the, you know, like Bruce, right? Yeah. Um, did you know that Bolo obviously isn't his real name, mm. uh, but it was his character's name in Enter the Dragon? Oh. And so they just went, we're just going to run with Bolo. I think his real name. Hang on, let's. let's oh, is that basically his English name? Like. Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. Interesting. So his real name, his surname's right. Jung, so it's like Zhe Jung, uh, Jung Zhe, because, you know, first name. Reverses, so Jung's a, oh, yeah. so Jung's surname. So they just went, let's go Bolo, because he was an old mate of Bruce Lee's, and Bruce Lee hooked him up with the role in Enter the Dragon, which obviously <clears throat> was his first appearance. Yeah, have you watched Enter the Dragon lately? Not for a long time. Pretty keen. Do you know what? That's actually a spy movie. Oh, oh yeah, we're doing uh, our next miniseries is spy movie. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Fuck, that's a good point. I do think we should do a martial arts mini soon. I mean, though. yeah. And like that Hong feels Kong, like pretty... Hong Kong fever or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hong Kong fever would be pretty cool. Is that a bad word? I don't Is know. That just, does it mean, maybe it just means you're like. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, a lot of love for Bolo, like all the love for Bolo. And and the revisit, he's still, he's still amazing. He is the strongest part. Well, not part. I mean, this whole thing works. As a unit, <laughs> like while you can pick apart individual elements of this movie as a total package, it's flawless. I mean, flawless sounds <laughs> not true. I guess this is a good point actually. Musing number nine, ten, whatever, I don't know, is this kind of movie, it really forces me to think about how we talk about movies because not that we're ever totally objective because film, it's subjective, it's art, etc. But like this movie, is it objectively good? No, but I fucking love it and lots of people love it. Its impact on our generation it's is undeniable. Um, it's, it's double. Like, so I guess that means it's a good movie. But I don't know how to articulate why this movie works and other movies that I guess have similar ingredients, including performances that aren't great in terms of acting and that sort of thing. Like why does it work in this? I don't know how to, I don't know what, how, why it does, but it does. Um, long way of saying, I don't know how to talk about movies, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One day, yeah. Yeah. Maybe 200 like more episodes and we'll get there. You're definitely like better than me if that makes you feel better. So you got that going for you. <laughs> I think it's more that sometimes I catch myself doing it and I'm unable to articulate why, but I will shit on one movie for one thing and praise it in another movie. There's obviously some difference there, some nuance that I'm unable to articulate. Yeah, but well, Margaret and David do that as well. Yeah, okay. Because this part film, of the gig, baby. I love this movie, and there are other movies that I'm oh, sure David. I've criticized for the same things that this movie does. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I love it. Um, should we get into verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor, 
And that's all I have to say about that. All right. Does this film hold up? Uh, anything fundamentally break? I don't think so. It's actually kind of surprising that there's nothing horribly outdated about this film. In, yeah. Because, you know, even Kickboxer has the yellow face stuff. Like there's nothing like racist other than, other than uh, Jackson, I was going to say all sexist. Um, getting rapey on the bus. Yeah, but that's about it. And that's, that's pretty not mild. necessarily outdated. It's just not cool. Which probably, well, I guess maybe it was less not cool then. I don't know. Yeah, but that's pretty mild stuff compared to other movies we do. What about Duke's taking the candy and then not putting the money in the jar? <laughs> Thank, thanks for last night. I'm not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> now let me go through a three-step process of putting on my underwear. Um, <laughs> Two and four. <laughs> Um, FX test doesn't really apply, but there's some great slow motion here. Oh, Sheldon didn't tell me this, but I saw him talk about it in another movie. Van Damme does all his slow motion stuff in post. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those sessions. So like all the stuff that's slow motion, obviously the sound doesn't work that way. So he has to do it in post. So all that is him in a studio going, Oh man. Amazing. Love, fucking love it. I would laugh. Yeah. Um, Bechdel test, this certainly doesn't pass. It has one female character. But, I mean, again, not that I'm mansplaining away why Bechdel test isn't important for some films. But this film, <laughs> come on. It's not that important for this film. Um, race Bechdel, we've got a, we've got all races here. Like, this ain't bad, man. Mm-hmm. Um, they all get beaten by a white man. But, you know, aside from that. No talking. Yeah, well, it maybe doesn't technically pass. But, yeah, because they don't really talk to each other. But you know what? Come on. It's 88 and we've got some good representation. Again, not talking my way out of it. Um, the test is the test, but... You're not holding it up as a, an example of uh, racist films of a bygone era. No one's I mean, Showdown a Little Tokyo. No one's cancelling Bloodsport. Showdown a Little Tokyo has a lot more problems than this movie does, that's for sure. Mm, isn't it just? Except yeah. it does have Tia Carrera, which probably makes it okay. Yeah, it gives it a pass. You're right. And actually I think we found in that film that it does pass the Bechdel test because the two prostitutes talk about drugs <laughs> <laughs> and, and not a man. <laughs> that's that's what they wanted. When they wrote the Bechdel test, that was what they had in mind. Okay, that passes. Here we go. Here's a classic example of a pass. <laughs> uh, cultural relevance. Did Simpsons do it? Yeah, I don't think so. I think there's. I think it might be one of those ones where there's a bit of a uh, visual reference here or there, but I don't think it's one of those. Mm. Uh, porn parody. Surprisingly, no Bloodsport porn parody. I just typed it into Google and it's just lots of photos of the bladder punch <laughs> <laughs> and some weird Supergirl stuff. What is this? It's weird. Ugh, and that's why weird stuff comes up on my computer in meetings. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Uh, overall, overall thought, does this hold up? Is it a rewatch, Greg? What, what say you? I enjoyed this viewing then more than I did four years ago. Really? Do you think yeah. it's enriched with all of the JC and Frank Duke's knowledge we've collected yeah. over the last four years? I think so too. A hundred percent. And I was less critical because I think last time yeah. I've, I re-listened to parts of our old episode and I was very critical of many things. I don't know what I was playing at. Maybe I was trying to justify why I had a 
recording happening. Well, let's be clear with you. Let's be clear. I'll put it. I'll put in a little clip just to show how bad that episode is. Um, oh our God. old episodes suck, man. It's embarrassing. We both listen to the old episodes, and it sucks. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as '90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan. And I'm Greg, and today we're delving into a personal favourite, a childhood-defining film for me and many, many red-blooded early teens across yeah. the globe. Bloodsport. Bloodsport. It's happening. Our first Jean-Claude Van Damme film. I'm saying the intro real slow for some reason. I don't know what I'm doing. It sounds Welcome like we're recording on a potato. Double. It sucks. On a <laughs> but, you know, four years later, we suck less. Um, so thanks for sticking with us. We suck less. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, sorry, I totally hijacked your point there. So you, you enjoyed it more. Maybe you felt less harsh on it this time around. I think yeah. so. Yeah. It was more of a little treat. Yeah. Yeah. I just took the good bits out and blocked. Harness good, block bad. Yeah. And the, the fight montages are pretty fucking elite, man, partly because of Sir Stan Bush, of course, uh, but also... The montages. The, they're, they're long cuts. Like, it's not... We get some just good old-fashioned slow motion. It's not like modern John Wicky, um, born identity action where it's just like, you know, hands moving really fast and you can't tell what's going on. This was like just... Uh, what's the word? Artistic almost. It's almost like dance. Like you're seeing this... Beautiful flowing thing, yeah. I, I did think the fight sequences were some of my least favorite parts of the movie. Interesting, I love it, but I, had, I have less of a critical eye on that stuff. I don't know what I'm looking at. Like, I have no expertise, so to me, I was just like, "That looked cool." I, I noticed like, there's a couple of parts where they'll punch one direction and he falls it the felt, other way. It felt very one. A lot of the fights were one sided. They McDojo, huge fan of McDojo here on the show. Uh, yeah, I felt like a lot of the clips. Were like McDojo sequences, i.e., yeah, okay. they they wouldn't that wouldn't work. Yeah, like the guys not defending anything, and the attacker doing what they want. What about the ten or twenty minutes of kicking each other's armpits? Oh, that's yeah, one that's of my good. favorite part. That was is that Parker? Yeah, no, that that holds up. Yeah, that's great. I love that good old fashioned kickoff. That's like Rod Tang. And JC did knock someone's tooth out. Oh yeah, yeah, that was legit. That happened. I mean, by yeah, accident. he's made his spinny kicks. Flatten around your face all day, that'd be so annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot to deal with. Because I have heard a story that he kicked the Hemsworth kid in Expendables 2 really hard. Did you Didn't hear he this? Did he kick a knife into his chest? <laughs> yeah, but it, I, I don't know if it was that. I, th- I think it was that scene. Yeah. He kicked him really hard. Wow. Yeah, it, this, it's a story, so I can't verify it. But yeah. the story goes that he said something like, hey, pretty boy, I'm going to fuck you up. Really? And he's like, oh, whoa, he's staying in character because he's the bad guy. Yeah. And then he kicked him so hard he did have to go off to hospital and get checked. Fuck. Because he's just standing there and he did like a massive sidekick into his guts, which undefended his, you know. Ugh. Yeah. So JC, I don't know if you didn't like the look of young Aussie Chris, but um, might have gone a little bit too far. So you can see him, you know. Damn. Getting a little bit too close. All the good guys got. Messed a few people up. Like they'd be kicking with force to show, believe it, you know, to make it look yeah. real. They want to stop Yeah, and if the timing is a touch off, well, guess what? Yeah. Tooth go flying. They could have just done anyway. that thing they do. I swear I've seen it in some movies where it's not even, it's not actually slow motion. They just do the movements really slow. 
They should have done it like that. Yeah, they should have <laughs> sped it up like like Steven Seagal does. Uh, well, man, hey, Greg, happy two hundredth episode, my man. Yeah, happy two hundredth. What a delight! Are we doing this in one app or two? Is, is this a, is, a, is this ring released over two weeks? It's going to be like no, two hours. It's one mega rep. I mean, we're chasing oh. those. We're chasing those blank check boys. This might be like two and a half hours or something. This is Rogan territory. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We've tried to make the definitive podcast episode about Bloodsport. We've covered everything. We've covered. We've spoken to three of them. You know, including Jackson in the. You know, we got that little clip in the upfront there. Yeah. It's it's been a delight. Um, yeah. A great fucking movie. Hopefully we did the film justice this time. I know four years ago we had no idea what we were doing. Um, but we love this movie. And we love our friends of the show. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. If you're still listening two hours into this episode, it means you mm. are an OG friend of the show and we just wanted to say a huge thank you from the yeah. bottom of our hearts. The messages you guys send us uh, keep us going. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Um, because as you know, it hasn't been uh, funded till maybe now. Um, and so it's a labor of love and the feedback we get from you guys honestly does make it worthwhile for both of us. And a big shout out to Tristan for the extra hours he puts on to produce it and edit it to make it sound like we, well, you heard, yeah, let's just say it needs to happen. It needs to happen. We actually record about eight hours of content and I edit it down to (laughs) a tight 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, next week, oh, we're going to be starting a new mini series, Spy Guys. Spy Guys. Um, I think next week, I guess. Yeah, we need to go to get cracking on that. I need to yeah, watch some yeah. movie. Yeah. Until then, mm. happy 200th. Have, you, have yourself some cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send us a photo of your cake or yeah. your Vianetta. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Our cake of choice. (laughs) Bye. Bye.